Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Who cares about who cares about a quippy, pithy intro? Michael's here. Woo! Everybody, Michael's here. Yay. Um, yay. Uh, welcome back to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael again. Yeah! Michael is here. Uh, original, like, uh, like OG friend of the show um back for it pretty soon we're gonna have to get him uh his own jacket uh his uh, you know we'll have i oh i'll have to send him i'll have to send him a movie show with joel and ryan sticker so that you can we can can afford a sticker no uh, yeah (laughs) Mm, yeah. but uh hey michael how you doing i'm swell i'm so excited to be here for this topic I, I yeah, yeah. pre-show that if I the, the friendship would have ended had I not been invited <laughs> that for this been topic. It. That would have been the divorce. Yep. That would have been it. <laughs> that would have been the bridge down the tube. <laughs> College was nice and all, y'all, but uh, all math. those trips Always we took to uh, we couldn't possibly yeah. do this particular topic without you. I mean, there's just a few we couldn't do. V, we wouldn't have done that yes. without you. Period. Like I just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have also been divorce worthy. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. there was never, there was no thought of it. It was like, well, where do we squeeze these in? Well, this is a good, this seems like a good time. Um, yeah. you, we, uh, we had, we had an episode this, I don't know, like a year ago or something like that. It was just Ryan and I kind of just, uh, we were talking about shows that we will never do. Um, or maybe we would never do. It was, we called it the on-air production meeting. I think it might have even been like right after the last time you were on the on the show with the double features. Um, but we were sitting there, and we we have this big master list of all the topics that we maybe someday we'll get to, and others that we're, are just kind of being silly, like top five belly laughs by Topol. Um, <laughs> the show we, that episode's what, called "The Shows That Never Were." By the way, the shows that never were. That's what it was. It. and one of and one of them was we were going to do a uh, a ranking of top Madonna movies and not invite you. <laughs> that was the show. And we just, would never do. And just and just and just like release it and go and maybe tag you in all of it, but like and go like oh you know Mike my, my, we we didn't think you would want to do. I this don't think one, you'd be so. want you'd want to be. I mean, I don't love her as much as I used to, so no, maybe but, it would have been okay, but I no, would have yeah. That would have been divorce worthy. <laughs> well, we are sure super happy to have you uh, back and have you here. And you want to see your... you want to lay those in there? Your top five Madonna movies? Well, he's... Uh, well, Evita's number one. I mean, as far as performance wise, um, with a bullet, game, Dangerous Game is actually pretty good mm-hmm. for her performance wise. Um, 
Let's see. Shanghai. No. Uh, <laughs> I find Shanghai um, Surprise totally watchable. I don't know. Why oh, people it's so garbagey. So I didn't write nothing garbagey like that. Um, no, I like. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's in see. the style Who, of that kind girl of girl desperately seeking Susan. She's OK, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. but Avita, she's actually she's really good in that movie. Like, hey, she's been lip syncing her whole life up until that point. So why wouldn't she be? Dick Tracy, I, I like you know yeah, she Tracy, was League of Their Own. Oh yeah, League of Their Own. Yeah, batter up. Got to get her up. Uh, yeah, batter. all the way May. No, yeah. but I like that you did. Uh, even though you're just winging it, it you, that you did performances that you, it, rather than movies themselves. Because yeah, the less yeah, significant yeah. she is to the movie, the better the movies tend to be. And it, it and yeah, not except that, for Avita. Not she's that she's not important in yeah. in dick tracy but it, it 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 just doesn't take a lot to just stand there and frown the entire movie <laughs> the music's trying to remember anyway, the music's yeah. fantastic for it yeah i just I, I i love that song that she sings in uh in dick tracy um well she's got that big moment on the the docks with Beatty where she gets to emote and it's pretty good she's not bad. convincing it's not what bad. was she her get, uh that, that the scene where she's getting all abused the, all the dancers are getting abused by El Pacino. It's pretty funny. Got him yeah. an Oscar nomination. That's true. What was the movie that was her like basic instinct ripoff? Body of Evidence. Body of Evidence. I caught a couple minutes of that on cable or on Pluto or something recently. I'm like, oh, man. It's terrible. Wow. <laughs> and what a cast. But yeah. wow. But a mm -hmm. galaxy of symptoms. It makes something like <laughs> it makes something like Sliver look like a masterpiece. Yeah. And isn't isn't body of evidence the one where where it's like uh uh she she opened the she opened the jar your and honor she opened the and can I, of worm and I do see worms crawling worms crawling out goat. Yes. Objections sustained. <laughs> and I do see worms all <laughs> around crawling. you. Oh my god. I it, yeah, it was even the oh. sex scene I watched and I'm like wow, this is so yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, it's bonkers. It is bonkers. Uh, all right. Well, we are not here to talk about uh, that's a little digression. Hey, little bonus show, little inside, you well, know, little just, bonus show of came uh, up. top Madonna movies. That one made me laugh out loud uh, on the show. <laughs> the, um, we should talk about Michael hadn't been here for a while. We should talk about what he's been up to because he's been a busy There's, cat. Yeah, there is a reason why Michael hasn't been here for a while. He's been on probation. No, he, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, no, he's been very, yeah, you've been very, very, very busy. Yeah, talk about your feature that, I mean, it didn't just come out, but it's kind of slow rolling out. Um, yeah, it's a, a movie that I, I, shot about two years ago uh, as the lead actor. It's called Blood Covered Chocolate, and it was released about a month ago. It actually got distribution from Terror Films, which is a pretty reputable uh, smaller distribution company, but they've they put out a lot of good product. And um, yeah, we've gotten some good reviews, some not so great reviews. And bottom line, I'm just excited it's out there. I was really happy with what I did. And so have That's you guys- That's the same team that yet? you made space with? That is correct, yeah. yeah. Um, Monty Light. Uh, wrote and directed produced um and, but i and, got to be with like some legit scream queens in there like um elen Yudi, who was uh in my bloody valentine of the dead zone got to do a scene with her which was kind of surreal but it was it was a hoot that's very cool did you did you get her autograph when she first came to set that day or did no you, and the, the ridiculous did you thing hold is your even, shit together when the... no i was okay because i didn't i had never seen my bloody valentine which is kind of weird 
after that all these years. Super so weird. <laughs> we had that conversation. Uh -huh. And of course, when we wrapped, the first thing I did was watch it. And I'm like, it's actually really good. It's one um, of the better ones, for sure. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, oh, I know her. I acted with her for two days. So. I love that song. My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. My yeah, it was, you, it was a you good made a, At least one short yourself, didn't you? That mm -hmm. you wrote and directed? Um, my, my buddy Daniel and I put, uh, not in direct, I wrote it and then starred in it. And it's um, Haunted by Nikola Tesla, kind of a little goofy um, supernatural comedy. So we're just in post and um gonna get it out to the festivals hopefully and see what yeah. happens. See what happens. Yeah. And you've been writing and writing and writing and writing. Yeah, Oops, I will be done with my first place. novel by the end of this month. And uh -huh. I actually got uh feedback from Elwood, my hubby. Mm -hmm. Um surprisingly, he uh he was very pleased and said it was brutal. <laughs> No, because he he's pretty no nonsense about. He was he a little. Is, he's little, a, at least in. It's spots, one of right? the things. Yeah, it's one of the things we love about Elwood is he uh, he is a straight talker. He will not yeah. he will not sugarcoat his opinions. Pulls good no or punches. bad. Yeah, pulls no punches. No, straight, no. The yeah. thing is, it's like I told him because he started reading a draft prior, and he's like, "Oh, it's kind of clunky." I'm like, "Ouch, okay." Um, I told him. I said, "Look, I'm I'm really steeled against feedback on scripts. Like, I've been doing it long enough. I don't whatever." But it's like this is the first novel. I can't. You're gonna have to be a little nicer because one, it's really personal. Two, it's the first time. You got to be a little, a little softer touch because it was. I he said clunky, and I literally sat there for three days in a funk. So. <laughs> um, but now it's but he read, now he read a, an updated draft he read the whole thing and he you know said it was brutal like which is great because it is and um said it reads like a stephen king novel i'm like great i'll take all of those things so yeah <laughs> score i like i like uh, yeah uh well awesome well we um so we are uh starting a we the mad max may May, May, Max, May. What, what do you, you call there something really good on uh, May is for Max? May what is, belongs what is it? to Max. That's Max. what it is. But I didn't um, mean Mad Max. I meant HBO Max, which is now called Max. That's just called Max. As yeah, John Oliver said, for people who hate HBO, but like Max, but like HBO, we've changed the name to Max. <laughs> um, Watching yeah. John Oliver shit all over his bosses is super fun. It's It takes balls to do that. Mm -hmm. Even though it's a comedy show, it's like he thinks everything they're doing is wrong. <laughs> he just yeah. keeps saying it over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the um, but yeah, no. In this case, we are indeed going to uh, going to delve in the mad the variety of Max. The yeah. mad, the Mad Maxian world. Um, we're gonna take another trip down under. Uh, we did not talk about these on our Ozploitation films. Yeah, obviously uh, deliberately because they're uh, we didn't want to mm -hmm. open the can and see worms all around <laughs> us. So <laughs> uh, I will say uh, a, that that episode though with uh, when we had guest uh, Chris Fitchett on um, was a just a super fun episode uh, yeah. you know a guy no who question. was there and was you know making movies and doing all the things uh really awesome stuff so that's a great uh, a little um compendium to uh these episodes uh which we know will be superior episodes these are going to be excellent excellent these are probably going to 
skyrocket to the top of your list because I know that there are other podcasts out there where they rank our show um episodes of our show and um but no that that episode season four episode 12 uh available wherever you get your uh audio podcasts and available <clears throat> on the movie show with joel and ryan page on youtube like and subscribe do it uh, obviously it? we couldn't do the done that show without michael because that was michael's friend who was right mm-hmm. there present for the for the, some of the most classic exploitation films and and was friends and contemporaries of all the people in it is we're working on it there's a chance we might get him to show up and comment a little bit on mad max if if we mm-hmm. can that'll be really awesome we'll work him in wherever he wants and if we can't we'll never speak of this again <laughs> <laughs> if but, we can't i will go back and edit it out <laughs> no I'm not, that's not necessary but it you know he's a busy guy's teacher and we, when we had him on it was during covid and and we were all just sitting at home staring at our computers yeah. and you know, it was like a really nice chance to interact with others. Whereas yeah, yeah. now it, it's, it's a totally different deal. So we'll, we'll see. It, and the time difference really is problematic when we all have day jobs sort of here, I He's... guess Michael doesn't, but it just makes it, it makes it tricky. It really does. It's a big difference. It is on the other side of the world. He's in the future y'all. Yep. Yeah. He's in the future. Yeah, um, for sure. So, so um, but all right, well, awesome so, guest, yeah, hopefully, awesome episode, the exploitation oh. episode. Getting getting to hear Michael talk about um, Fortress, Fortress. As, <laughs> that's a thing that everybody who oh, enjoys us amazing. even a little should need right. to show up for, even if you think, oh, this kind of movie isn't for me. Fortress yep. is Fortress. for everyone, and you should go check that out for sure. I so. recently introduced it to several friends who were uninitiated, and they were blown away. So, you know, it's, wow. I mean, tops exploitation movie. You know, with with without any real debate. Look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to stir things up. I I prefer Fortress to Mad Max. Do you? I do. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so that's just. I. I, I that's my. Uh, it's a personal, you know, it's a choice. It's not necessarily a choice you would make, but it's a choice. <laughs> we'll um, see. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe the with the maybe passion with the which the two of you we roll through yeah. these. Yeah. Um. So, all right. So we are. Yeah. Obviously, we start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start with, of course, the original 1979. Directed by George Miller, starring a very young Mel Gibson, Mad Max. Um, so yeah, I was, so I mean, the, I was thinking you were going to play the deep dive theme there. Oh my god, I got to do that! Oh god, you see, it's we took a you week. You set off. that all up. We I got one... all quiet and stayed really still, and then there's nothing. All right, I'm going to edit. I'm going to edit this out for the video no, version. Ryan, you, must, you can I do whatever you, you want. Leave it in and live with your shame. Uh, shame 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 Shame. uh all right here we go uh starting out with the original 1979 here we go deep dive into the george miller directed starring a very young mel gibson mad max
I mean, we have to. We yeah. have to do the deep dive. Well, now you do. Oh, well, I said it twice, so we got to. Yeah. Um, all right. 1979 Mad Max. Um, go, I guess. I mean, it's just it starts out. It's it's good. We are we are night riding. <laughs> yeah. Before before we get to that, though, a little setup for what it, it is and what how it came about. Although Knight Rider's great, it's 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 a great way to start the film. We'll talk about just kind of how almost perfect it is, like how much you learn in that scene, mm-hmm. d- despite the fact that it's thrilling and amazing. How much you how much you learn about everything, everything in it. it it's incredibly efficient, and one of the coolest things about George Miller in general, really, if you look at his films throughout the years, but definitely this first film where it really stands out is how just ridiculously efficient it is, how there's just nothing there that isn't needed or that doesn't absolutely contribute some sort of greatness to the whole enterprise. Um, George Miller and Byron Kennedy, we'll talk about Byron a little bit too as we go, um, they had this idea to make this, uh, road movie. The idea was, it wasn't to be a dystopian movie or as it becomes later, a sort of post-apocalypse movie. The idea was that they, that during the energy crisis in the late seventies, the people were lined up, you know, for a mile to get their little bit of rationed gas that the government would let them have. And, uh, and if you were butting in line or you were cheating your way, so you, people were met with rather extreme violence in Australia. And these episodes inspired this idea that they'll do anything, even when the world's falling apart, they'll do anything to keep the, the motors running and the vehicles going. And even industry would sort of support that. And it was going to be the story about this, George Miller, like journalist who investigates this and slowly loses his soul when he just sees all the horrors of it. And that was a very froofy thing that became this very B movie idea about, um, how even the, uh, the authorities are like, are just one step away. It's said explicitly in the film from the, from the bad guys that they're, that they're chasing, you know, long as the paperwork's clean, you can do what you want is what he says to him. Um, forgive us, especially Chris, for all the terrible Australian accents when we do some <laughs> of these lines. We'll get into Australian accents later, too. Or oh, Australia. Um, yeah, because yeah. I don't do that one very well. I can imitate the guys in the movie a little bit, but I, I don't do that one very well, so it just isn't right. But I still feel like I can't just say it in my own voice. That's not right either. Um... So there you go. So there's going to be a lot of quoting. These are incredibly quotable films. <laughs> um, <laughs> even though there's very little talking in them, they when people say stuff, it's 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 fun. So anyway, they <clears throat> uh, George Miller's a, a doctor, and he worked in emergency rooms, and so a lot of the accidents and stuff that you see in it are all sort of based on these real things that happen. A lot of the anecdotes are based on real things that happen. Part of the way they raised money for the movie was they went out, they did doctor on call stuff where Byron would drive the van. The van is featured in the film, in fact, and they would drive around and do house calls and, and, and uh, George would be the doctor and they just saved up all this on the side and, and filmed this film as, 
And even that, of course, not enough to make a movie. It's not just like, well, let's go save up $350,000. Um, normal people, even doctors, it's hard to do that in 1978 or whatever it was. Um, but they got a lot of help. The government pitched in and helped a lot. Um, and they raised enough money to shoot this thing, which was a solid 40 minutes of script longer than what you had. And it was their shooting script there. Lots of action was sort of left out just because they ran out of time and money. But again, really efficient in how they went about making it. So the stuff they got was the stuff you had to have. And that's, that's pretty, pretty satisfying in the end. But I found that, that it came out of, it makes sense when you hear it, but I never would have thought that it came out of the gas shortages and the, and the energy crisis, you know, well, it feels like that's more appropriate for what Road Warrior centers on rather than Mad Max. Yeah. Well, they they maintained the thing going. But Mad Max, you know, was, again, was never supposed to take place in a, in a, and it doesn't really take place in a, it's not like, it doesn't take place in a post-apocalypse. It takes place in yeah. a, definitely pre, a dystopia. It's, it's just the, pre, though. Yeah, exactly, where things are falling apart. The war has apparently already happened, we're told, so that's canon. Um, really? What? Where? I don't it's remember the that. opening crawl of the thing says that the... In Road Warrior, right? Is that right? I thought it was in Mad yeah, Max. Mad I don't Max remember that crawl. crawl. Yeah, I don't remember that crawl being in, in the original Mad Max. I think it's Road Warrior that has the crawl. Road Warrior has a, a voiceover, actually. I don't think there's a crawl. I mean, I don't think the war has Well, it doesn't crawl, but it, it just shows up on screen. There's some text at the beginning of it. I'm pretty sure I just watched it last night. It's not like a highlight of the movie or anything, but... No, but I'm just saying it's like, I, I just, I think it is pre-war. I don't think anything, it's, well, it, it's just a lead up. Anyway, even if it yeah. isn't, compared to what comes later, it certainly feels like it is. I mean, it really does, it really does feel like this is society, you know, on the brink, but, yeah. but not... Not completely falling apart. People still they live in nice houses by yet. the beach, and you know yeah. there's still some sense of, of of authority. The courts, the courts will hear about this disgrace. Um, it so there's you know there's stuff. The system hasn't completely broken in the film, whether that's because it's in Australia or whatever. Um, and yeah, it starts out with this chase scene, just like it should. A movie like this should start out with with. Uh, with the Knight Rider and his floozy. Knight Rider. Knight Rider's a cop killer. If you'll watch the film, you'll see that the, the bad guys all have a similar tattoo somewhere near their face. That's a little Greek. George Miller is, has Greek heritage and it has a little Greek um, F, which we it's never explained. And I don't think he ever explains in an interview, but we believe it's like the first word of, of killer in Greek starts with an F. Um, so, and I can't remember that word, sorry, but that's the theory. You see, uh, Johnny Boy gains his F later in the movie. He, he, we first meet him, he doesn't have it. So it, that also lends credence to it. Knight Rider's got one. And ACDC Here go. fans. Here's, mm -hmm. here's, uh, here's Killer in Greek. Fonyas. Fonyas. So we think that's what it means. You know, like it's a Roman Empire thing. Knight Rider's just a psycho. He's a... He's, you know, he's a, he's just a, he's just a psycho who is kind of, I don't know what he's going through in this scene or what particularly led to this. The actor just died this. last year. 
Huh? The actor the died? The actor just died last year. Yeah. Like I said, ACDC fans will be delighted with Knight Rider. He quotes them pretty much constantly. <laughs> and yes, he does. Yeah, it's half of what he says is just ACDC lyrics, which is funny. Um, which, again, would have been a thing people would have known, but wouldn't have been a thing international audiences would have known really super well in 1979. He's not quoting uh, Back in Black or anything, the stuff that became, the, <laughs> the, you know... Uh, but it's still, it would have been, maybe, maybe it would have been better if he would have been like yelling, I've got the biggest balls of them all. <laughs> that one, that one would have been in existence at least at the time. Um, <laughs> those are the, that's the singer whose lyrics he's quoting the it's, but it's, it's fun. He's on a, on a, uh, you know, he's, he's on a, a joyride essentially in a stolen, uh, repurposed Ford Falcon XB. Michael's favorite cars in all of films, I believe, right? Would you want to have a Ford Falcon XB V8? That's the one from the sequel, right? That that or the they're end all of the same car. Yeah, essentially. yeah. No, a matter I, of fact, I, the the hero car in this one, the Black Pursuit Special, is just a black painted fixed version of one of the yellow ones you see earlier. In the yeah, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, like, they only I'm had not, a, a couple a of cars. Person, but- if I if I had to say for cinematic, you know that 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 car is just it's it's, it's a amazing. car fetish so, film, you know what I mean. So yeah, even oh, the sure. yeah even the other cars that you see are all you know pretty fancy. Um, Kawasaki donated the motorcycles to the film. Uh, the motorcycle gang in the movie, at least the smaller roles, are made up of actual motorcycle gang people. Um. Most people are doing their own stunts and stuff. I mean, yeah. not completely, but but you know, there's a couple of pretty harsh ones where that, that's not the case. But mostly, they're driving around, and when you see them moving, I mean, it it lends a lot of excitement to it. Night Riders, uh, loud mouth jerk, and you want to shut them up, just like uh, just like Big Bopper and his partner want to. You know, they're they chasing after him to kill him. The cops even, and and I can't tell you. I, I can't remember Big Bopper's partner, the 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 bigger guy, but they're they're funny. They're almost a comic team. Who's gonna drive? They fight over, you know, blah yep. blah blah. They have these little quips together. Um, I don't want you to blaspheme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's where's that come from? It's it's awesome. No need to blaspheme. You know. All right, I'll move over. Whatever. Poor guy. Yeah, uh, he suffers a bad accident in this particular yep. sequence. Um. And there's this great, the, there's this fantastic reveal of our hero, Max Rockatancy. Yep. It's it's hard to explain. It's simple enough, but it builds huge mystique around him just with these yes. few shots of what a absolute, like, sent from, you know, the post-apocalypse heavens this guy's sent from. It's It's... And you know, they just show his hands and they show his back standing in front of his car. They show him sort of putting his gear back on when he answers Sunglasses. the Sunglasses, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, really well done. Because they there was a lot of pressure, even though they it was an independently produced film, there was a lot of pressure by the distributors to get some sort of international star to star in it. And there was a lot of work done to that end. Who can we get to do this? And they just very wisely, he's like, you know, it's, I, if, I, it, 
less than half a million dollars here to make this movie, and if we cast a, anybody with any clout, even not a famous star, if we just cast somebody with a history, we got to pay them half the budget of the movie. You know what I mean? Uh, very ironically, the 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 tricked up Black Pursuit special cost three times what what Mel Gibson was paid for the film. So the the production budget was allocated in that way to get everything cool they could possibly get on screen. Another fun story before we finish up the Knight Rider chase, which is great, is um is what? No, I just forgot. God, it's weird things coming. <laughs> oh my god, here. I'm on Tinder hooks. Uh, <laughs> well no, but it's um I I, I want to talk about oh. the it's oh, it's this only the second Australian film, the first being the car another car movie, The Cars That Ate Paris by Peter Weir. It's the yep. first Australian film shot, not the first film shot in Australia, but the first Australian produced film shot in anamorphic widescreen, and that is the is truly the visual. That's where the visual power of this film comes from. The long highways, the dots on the road racing by you in widescreen, like it it really makes it look a million times better and more expensive than it actually is. The way they managed that, because they had a Panavision camera, but there were no, they couldn't afford to rent anamorphic lenses to shoot the movie that way. So the movie's made up almost entirely of re recycled film ends on different film stock. And they found in a Peckinpah film, or no, a Steve McQueen movie, what's the one, The Getaway, which was shot down there in part, at least, they found one uncracked 35-millimeter lens, which they shot every scene in the movie with. <laughs> and that's how they managed this feat. So every little thing was a battle to the death to just get it done. Even And if you take the... Just like when we watched it on TV, the story's still affecting, but when you first see any of these movies, but particularly this one in, in widescreen, it really just, it's like, wow, it's, it's, it's still an exploitation film. I have no question, but that part of it, because of it, it's has such style that sort of fades to the background and you feel like you're watching something fairly special visually, which it is. Um, so what happens with Knight Rider? He's riding along. Uh, there's again, really perfect sort of exposition. I saw a, uh, cinematographer, rather renowned one whose name I can't remember, talk about this movie. And he said, he goes, it was the first action movie I saw where, where when they edited it, continuity didn't matter. Left to right didn't matter. <laughs> like nothing mattered except this is the thing we're trying to show you. And you don't really care if it doesn't fit together. And of course that that gives this whole sequence this sort of disorienting feel to it. The scene with the little kid running out into the street and the car with Parents the trailer the not being able mm -hmm. to turn around completely <laughs> in the highway. Um, all that stuff, those little bits are set up in this sort of, like, you all kind of see what's coming kind of way. And Yeah, it's brilliantly I, told. Well, I want to talk about the fact that I want to, the reveal, because I, I just think it is so brilliant because it's not only the revelation that one, that this guy's uber calm and collected um, listening and just gathering information before uh, he actually gets into the chase. But the revelation of uh, Mel Gibson, who is just matinee handsome beyond belief. Yeah. It's just a really great revelation of like, okay, this is the dude we're going to follow. And the fact that he's just beautiful, you know, is, is so because everyone else in the film is not particularly 
I mean, you got all these kind of grungy bikers. And um, so he's just kind of got this uh, ethereal beauty to him. You know, he's just kind of this pretty looking guy. Yeah. And I love the fact that he's so opposite of pretty much other than maybe Jesse in the film that um, everyone else is just kind of haggard and, and you know, road beaten. Um, but it's it's such a it's such a great reveal. And just this recent revisit, it, it was pretty striking. Like, wow, that's really, really amazingly done. Yeah, it's a great buildup. Yeah, it, it, I, I really do think it like it couldn't be better. <laughs> like when he turns and you don't even really see him even through the chase sequence. He's sort of kept hidden until yeah. the big accident at the end. And then he Crash. steps out of the car and comes walking up. Way, and even that, that look shot. on his face then isn't, whoa, I killed the guy. It's, hey, what's going on uh-huh. here? Like there's uh-huh. a, along with the youth of the guy, this guy that we know from all these countless other movies, there's a weird like childlike innocence to him the character for sure yeah, but the like, actor i think it it all is sort of blending together a little bit yeah but i want to bring up that shot of um as he's starting to approach on that kind of cross street as the night rider is coming down yep. you know what i'm talking about yeah, that yeah, yeah, shot? yeah every time i see that it just blows my mind yeah 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 so, and, so and, yeah and the, yeah the great one with the with the night rider zipping by in the background you know how long that kind of thing has to take to set up i mean you literally have the whole world in, in the shot, right? Yeah. And and it and to time those things out, I mean, that's really, really amazing. They was a guerrilla film. They didn't have permission to shut down roads. They didn't have permission to shut down bridges. They didn't have permission to do anything really, and they just did it. And they had they had lookouts and stuff. And it, but eventually, in you know the outskirts of Melbourne where they shot the film, um. Eventually, the everyone you know the cops aren't stupid. They started to figure out they're doing this everywhere, and instead of being like, "Oh, you can't do that," or the courts will hear about this disgrace, they were all, <laughs> they were all, "Hey, what what can we do to help? This looks neat. What's that?" You know, they like got all sort of into it and and became allies of the production, which really really helped the production as the stunts and things got more, you know, complicated as they went. But they just. It it really was made by a bunch of just a small handful of people on the sly with very, very little resource. And it just has it has the character. It still feels like a small, low budget movie, but it has the it has it has the character of a low budget B movie, but it has the character of a big thing too. I think people mm-hmm. compare it a lot to Roadrunner. I think or Roadrunner, Road Warrior. I think a lot of us saw Mad Max 2 first. I, I yes. certainly did. Um, yep. That was a really big I- independent hit in in the summer '82, and a huge like uh, like HBO replayable thing. And this wasn't that, so it it, it this was really big, a hundred million dollars or something worldwide. It's the most profitable independent movie ever until uh, the record was broken by uh, Blair Witch Project. That's how long it reigned as cheapest movie to biggest financial return um mad max now i'm talking about just to be clear yeah. and, and, and it it <laughs> it earns it in every frame so yeah the the filmmakers put a naval rocket on the back of knight rider's car <laughs> and i guess the story is that it worked like you see it in the shot and it really propels the car fast into the accident but the car actually misses the stuff it's supposed to hit you can see that clearly in the movie and it just kept going off the road into the dirt uh, with filmmakers chasing after it, trying to catch it and stop it. 
And then they had to edit the explosion where you don't see a car hit anything. You just see an explosion in it. Again, it's all kind of put together so well that it doesn't really matter. It it's, mm-hmm. it's works and it's thrilling. There's the chicken moment where Max just shows up and they play chicken together. And Knight Rider, who's all bluster and loud obnoxiousness, who's taken out all these other cops one way or another during the chase just completely loses his nerve yep. and becomes a weeping wreck of a person. Yeah. That, it's weird. With that? It's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. I sort of feel like, I sort of feel like <laughs> if he, it, it, like it's not anything Max did to stop the Knight Rider, the Knight Rider, like if the Knight Rider would have just, if he would have kept his bluster and, and screaming, he would have navigated all that stuff and he would have he, just but kept he didn't. going. He's, he's, a, he's almost a stereotypical yeah. movie bully in that the first time anybody stares him down, Stands he up. just yeah. he just completely mm-hmm. becomes worthless. I mean, beyond worthless. He becomes completely self-destructed, suicidally worthless. Yeah. My, my favorite moment in this, this whole sequence is when the, the chick lays her head on him and he kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and her reaction to him becoming a complete pussy oh, yeah. is is yeah. really. Uh, she hardly says anything in the movie, but it's a decent performance by her because yeah. she, her, like, what is going on? What happened to you? You're not yeah, here anymore. Like, yeah. Ooh, yeah, things things are not, <laughs> and you just know not going very just, well anymore. They feel yeah. like they're doomed, and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. And the the accident, okay. the cars, you know that. It's weird how Mad Max, very much like uh, Texas Chainsaw, really doesn't show you anything, a couple things. But it only needs to show a couple things. Everything else is left off screen, off camera. The stuff Mm -hmm. happens that's terrible, but you just aren't shown it. The explicit violence is not really super a part of the movie, which is weird. And I think because we see the aftermath in the injuries, I think that's also a big part of why... It there's this, and that's certainly bloody and nasty enough to get you an R rating. That alone, yeah. But I'm just like, but like that's why you're like, oh yeah, I didn't actually see that happen. Yep. Right. All I saw was like some, you know, like the noises or something off camera or someone's reaction to it. But then you see the mangled leg or the, you know, what. So well, this is also we also get introduced to Goose here, right? He yeah. comes into yeah. the case. Goose so is telling think- a story. He's telling, he's reliving yep. one of those emergency room stories to a guy um, in a diner. And you get the feeling that this is a trick that Goose <laughs> does everywhere. He goes and orders the smallest thing on the menu. Then he grosses somebody out and eats their lunch. At least I got the feeling that's the game that's going on here. Oh, yeah. Steve, Steve Beasley's Goose. Beasley he's- and Mel Gibson were actually uh, students together at the time at the, at the, the conservatory there. So they were at this acting school, this performing arts school that's very prestigious. And it was he that wanted to audition for this film. He's the one who heard about it and dragged his friend along. Rumor has it that Max, or that Max, that Mel had been in a fight or something the year before and he came with his face all swollen. And they were like, well, you, you know, you, you come back on Thursday, you know, for the extras tryouts or whatever. We want freaks is what they basically said. Um, But he wasn't there for that. He was just hanging out. He was just like a lot of legends. Maybe it's just legend. Who knows at this point? But, you know, like a lot of the legends go, hey, I was just standing there or whatever. Uh, What's his face was uh, who ended up playing short round was just there for his brother and was and they caught the filmmaker's attention because he kept directing him and telling him what to do and where to look and what to say. And that that got him a whole bunch of attention. 
uh, Johnny Depp and Nightmare on Elm Street, same story. He's just hanging out to, to support a pal. Not even an actor. Didn't even want to be an actor. Didn't know what the hell he wanted. He was just a kid. Um, you know, those sorts of things are neat. And this, you know, this turned out really great because he wasn't their first choice or third or fifth or ninth. He was just some guy that was came throughout the interview process who the more they saw him do and the more they liked the quality of him. And certainly once the swelling in his face went down, they were like, Jesus, this guy... You're going places, kid. You know, let's get him in the picture. Um, that's really bad Australian accent. I'm not sure that's how they said it, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. he he rules bonza, the sequence. Mate. He rules the sequence. It's absolutely fantastic. All, all the near misses. Poor Bopper getting his throat torn out. Better send a meat wagon. <laughs> yep. We're out of it. We're out of the game. Yeah. We're out of the game. Yeah, or the excitement he gets when he gets the crashed car to start up so they can start chasing again, you know. It, it the whole the and, whole the whole thing yeah, and Goose's Goose's accident where he slides across the pavement and the guy leans out the window, he's like, What's going on? He goes, I don't know, I just got here myself. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yep. So even even Goose, we get this great introduction to the character. Yep. Um mm-hmm. Uh, you know, different. He's going to obviously be the fun, loving clown guy. He's going to be uh, the goose. There's another but famous it's, goose it's, it's that's a sort perfect, of like this in other movies. I can't remember which one. It's a perfect sequence, well, though, to grab your attention. Top I mean, Gun. It's like, yeah. it's, there's within three seconds, you're in. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no, and I think that's what's so impressive about this because I think other people would, because like you said, you get do get some information. You get the the fact that it's kind of dystopian, that there's cop killers, that there's crazy people, that there's I mean, it it really gets you in quick and I don't feel like you lose anything. Right. Um, it, that way, and we won't talk too much about this, but but maybe if we can have Chris on, we'll let him do it. But it in that way it's it's like a western. They're just these saloons, all these isolated buildings, people living on the go in trailers and under the stars, and it really does feel like the wild west is certainly the authorities the way they interact with the bad guys i mean it's it that's it absolutely has all the trappings of a western except with muscle cars and motorcycles instead of horses and and that that's neat too we, we talked about that in the osploitation episode that the, the 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 australian film especially osploitation film really started to come to life when it really embraced that idea of Australia's isolated and it's vast and it's hot and it's dangerous and it's this big empty wasteland of a place and that danger inherent in that is captures our yeah. imagination in this movie totally yeah. I mean uses that to its advantage at every turn which is very very cool so we got a we're it's a deep dive and we're way into it and we just got through the first scene but Night Rider well that opening scene is do you see me man do you see me? He's, I mean, the, the other great thing about the sequence is it's not a non sequitur just to introduce a bunch of stuff. This is the vengeance and the bad blood between the parties comes from Knight Rider being taken out by one of the cops. Knight Rider's part of a gang, uh, an important part of a gang, a very beloved member of a, mm-hmm. a very psychotic leader of a very dangerous motorcycle gang. And... And they come for revenge. They're coming for revenge the whole time until, like the with, like happens here when it turns around on them when the when the when when the 
when the good guy finally starts playing chicken with them, then it gets really, really ugly for them pretty quick. And that's what's mm-hmm. more. I mean, I'm sorry. It's, I'm not condoning this behavior, but what's more cinematically <laughs> satisfying than that? It's really great. <laughs> yeah. You know, make, I think, make, you know, make, I think we can just make that a blanket statement. Well, not make your vengeance any of worthy. Actions. It's still tragic. It always is. Venge, uh, mm-hmm. Revenge tales are always tragic. They just always are. There's always a loss that has to make your pursuit of vengeance be profound, and that's always terrible. It's no less terrible in this film than any other revenge movie ever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the you know it's this total loss of humanity, which this movie it's not rage. As Michael said, Max's superpower is not isn't rage it's it's absolute stillness in the face of a repeated disaster and that's why he's a survivor mm-hmm. is he just his his loss of humanity is the thing that makes him strong and that's that's desperately sad when you think about it i think yep. anyway um Let's- so what happens next? What's the chapter say? Well, i was going to say let's talk a little bit because when then we you know after after uh um uh night rider is uh it his demise in a fiery ball yeah. of flame um we you know we learn a little bit more about max and maybe what makes max different than other guys on the main force uh what are they called the main force uh, I can't remember main force called. patrol main force patrol thank you MFP. uh mfp um so i have an know, mfp it, t-shirt over there i should have wore that whoops yeah you should have you blew it and yeah, the halls uh, you have to live with, with the falling sign you the have to live. Not only that, the halls of justice are full of debris, and like it feels like they just moved in there and are yeah. squatting in there. Like it's just yep. this mm-hmm. rundown garbage place. But yeah, the halls of justice, lots of great signs. What's the sign we see at the beginning of the movie? Anarchy in Bedlam. The corner of mm-hmm. Anarchy in Bedlam is where the movie starts. That's apparently a real <laughs> sign in Australia. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh and it was like um and then the what are the uh, speed um uh speed like monitored by force and someone has uh changed the, changed the, the force to an anarchy yeah. A that makes it uh farce. farce yeah. Yeah. Um 57 but, uh, deaths on this road high casualty rate. Um, so magnet. what makes yeah what yeah. makes Max uh, what makes Max a little different uh, aside from his uh, devilishly good looks? He's got a um, he's got a wife and a kid. Yep, he's got a wife and a kid, and uh, so he's all a family this, man. You know, so, so he ain't out there trying to protect things. He's got a, uh, just a Halloween got a mask. What's justice. his face yeah. from Plan Nine from Outer Space? I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, uh, that would be Tor Johnson. Tor Johnson, he got a Tor Johnson Halloween yeah. mask. Very cool. Thank God that's taking up room in my brain. I didn't even have to look that one. <laughs> uh, I, I I appreciate that. That's awesome. I I remember um, George the Animal Steel plays him in the movie, but I could never remember Tor Johnson because yep. he's not my generation. But it's a Tor Johnson yeah. mask, and uh, their kid's name is Sprocket. That was Sprogs, Sprogs for short. Oh, Sprogs. Okay. Sprago. I like Sprago. I, I and he talked weirdly. He's an infant, but he talks with a Russian accent. <laughs> I am, I am Sprago. He, he wears big furry, furry hats and has a beard. No, he's just a kid and a kid in overalls and a striped shirt, playing with mm-hmm. uh, eighty-eight Magnum guns in his spare time that are left lying like around the house. Do. Uh, there's a you you we we 
there's a scene um later on in the film where uh uh Jesse is is getting trying to get away from uh from the the yep, the some um, bad guys toe cutters gang toe cutters gang and and like the baby is just in the back with an ice cream cone and then like in the next shot uh like we like she takes the baby and she's running off uh we see Mel Gibson we see Max go and reach into the back and that's where he gets the shotgun from so it's like that baby ah, was just yeah. back there with the shotgun. And, you know, then, then you then literally, it the although it's you literally in this first scene where we're at in the film, in the deep dive, where you literally see him holding a, a, a handgun yeah. in his hand and kind of looking at it, checking it out. So, I mean, to me, that begs the question is, Sprouts, it's man. weird. It's an insert. Why aren't you it's not part of the scene. I don't know why up? they put it in there. It's a little much. But you know they're first-time filmmakers, so whatever. Yeah, well, and you know what, and and uh, Jesse and Max, first-time parents, and yeah, sometimes you just very, don't make the best. Very clearly. I mean, this this in... sequence is good, and it, it it's important to set up um, their relationship and their. I, the only issue I have here is the heavy-handed music in this yeah, sequence. Yeah, the heavy-handed music much. in Mad Max and in Road Warrior by Brian May, not the guy from Queen. Um, is fantastic it's like bernard herman ask it's really heavy-handed but in a great way but the intimate moments it struggles with i actually like jesse's theme the theme of their family but when you get the saxophones and stuff involved i mean you, you and and she plays the saxophone and saxophones are recurring motif throughout these films <laughs> Oh, when yep. she's playing the saxophone, that um, that caught me a little by surprise. Yeah. I was not, I was not ready. So uh, all I'll say, Michael, is that I don't disagree with you. I know exactly what you mean. At at the same time, we've heard cheesy saxophone music and stuff from this era, and this isn't anywhere near, anywhere near as cheesy as it could have been for no, a low budget film. I think that I think the problem is because I. There's always that fine line of cheese to legitimately yeah. working. Yeah. And I think their interaction, like the little sign language thing, it's it's fine. Not real sign language, like, by the way. She just well, made no, that but shit you know up. what I mean. Like yeah, the, yeah. Her little but the yeah. I'm crazy about you, whatever. The it's very touching, and I think it's just enough for us to connect them and and build that sympathy. Um, which is obviously very important later, but it's it's just sucks that the musicians and Miller and whoever made these, this call, it's like, ah, oh, you just, you would have made it work. Even though the actual interaction was kind of cheesy and stupid, I would have bought it if the music hadn't ruined it. Mm. And so it's like, it's just like, oh, you almost, you could have made it work. You yeah. Know? But it's, Brian May mm -hmm. couldn't have though. That's my only point. That's as subtle <laughs> as he gets. It just is. He's, he is not a very, people are not, even though they did these iconic movies, he's, he's not, a film composer people are super fond of because he's ridiculous. Bam, bam, bam. I mean, that's yeah. even by 1979, people just weren't doing that anymore. That's like a 1940s style of, of composition. There are, some, there are some stingers, I think with uh, Goose's hospital scene that are crazy good. Yeah. They, they totally make a difference. You it's know? true. It's like, yeah. It's a good point. But this is, this um, isn't just, uh, this isn't just, sadness or a quiet moment it's romance that he's trying to mm -hmm. provide you and i like yeah. i said a, da, 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 da. i think the theme itself is lovely it's the arrangement is over the top mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. does sort of bring it down 
But I just, just telling you, from knowing his other work, it just, it could be so much worse. It could be so much worse. This is uh, really, it really is. uh, I just want to give him credit. It really is amongst the better things of this type that he's done. So, and that's good. Mm -hmm. It helps the movie a lot. And so what, back to the Halls of Justice, Joel? Yeah, we could have, yeah, we could have used a stinger like this. Um, But the, (laughs) so the... Uh, yeah. So Max oh, is then, uh, you know, he's like, well, Goose is, Goose is telling me to come in. I gotta, I gotta come in. Goose is telling me. And we go in and that's when we first sort of see, uh, the super souped up car that they're, that, that, uh, his buddies are working on. Sucks um, nitro. To, yep. Sucks nitro. Um, you got the, the stutterer to, guy. The yeah. last of the V8s. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we meet it is Fifi. called throughout the series the last of the V8 interceptors but it is mm-hmm. technically not an interceptor it's a pursuit vehicle it's it's the it's the black pursuit special is what it's called officially. well this is this is a great scene though just from uh, the conversation with the suit um you know, up with Fifi about you know yeah the suit in the fencing uniform what a fun bizarre. choice but that like, is so what weird are we, yeah. what are we learning here is that Max wants out we're, we're learning this and that they're bribing him to keep him in, which is, it's just a nice tiny little bit of exchange of information, but it's, it sets up again for stuff later. And uh, you know, that Max is trying to turn over a new leaf and, and go be a family man. And well, and um, we meet the head of the MFP, the uh, Fifi who was at the time of filming the most famous actor in this film by far in Australia, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name right now, but uh, uh, I will tell you, it is Roger Ward. Roger Ward. And he goes, yeah, we know you want to give the world back their heroes. Like, he, it's weird that we hear the speech later that this guy's like, don't give me the speech in this scene. He's yeah, like yeah. foreshadowing it. Yeah. I think that's very clever writing actually, you know, because normally you would do the opposite. You would, you'd, you'd have them give the big thing. And then later people would like, yeah, yeah, we know what you want. Yeah. They do it in reverse, which is fun. And like I said, the guy who's like, oh, you know, whatever, do whatever you're going to do. I'm not going to get behind it. And it, he's got the wooden fencing stick and the mask. He yeah, puts the on. mask. I, yeah. I don't know why I'm so taken with that, but I'm just like. It's what? bizarre. <laughs> it's not bizarre. I mean, it could happen. Well, no, but it's like, it, no, obviously, but it's he's like, on his way to something. But it's yes, such. But it is a very weird, very what, what's specific the choice? choice. Why was that choice? Yeah, why was that made? Well, I, I mean, my. My well, favorite thing in this sequence, though, he's is, not uh, one of these guys. If he's going out to fencing practice, I mean, it well, does put well, this dude on like a different socioeconomic up. level. But it is a weird choice that I love. Um, but I, and again, I'm not a car person, like necessarily. But when they show those close-ups, when they kind of rev the engine, when they're given the tour of the car, oh my god, it's just it's it, it's mind blowing. It just makes me so excited. It's so cool, and of course, you know where it's going to go and. Those Ford uh, Falcons aren't even special cars, you know, and 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 this I mean, you don't see them in any other movies because they're not very cool. In this movie and in the following movie, it, it it's it's the coolest muscle car in like all the films. It just it takes the place of all the rest of them. It is an absolute badass looking thing. Yeah, and you know they obviously they've souped up the front of it. They put that slick sort of um, head. Uh, headlight covers on it and all that stuff and and they've got the big air intake thing which isn't wasn't even real Mm -hmm. it was like a 
it was like a it had its own mechanism and they had to put it in the car with the belt on it that turned and that had a little engine inside the engine that made it run when the car was going because it was just for decoration essentially none of that really worked but you get it and without them explaining it to you you see these guys get excited goose yep. says well, now that you've seen it that's all you have to say you know it's it's mm-hmm. buddy stuff which is also pretty important to the movie Yes, and he's what does he say? He says, "Oh, when do we go for a ride?" He says. So, but yep. even feel like Max, we've just seen him with Jesse. We feel like this is him. This is the act. This is the act. He's he's that guy. He's not really this guy who's hanging out with the guys and wants to take the bad ass mm-hmm. car out. They never do until until it's time for it to come out. You know, we'll talk about that. So let's uh, so let's move on to uh, so Toe Cutter. We we first meet Toe Cutter uh, when they are going to uh, retrieve a Night Rider's body. Um, That's right out of a that that whole scene in the rail station where the body comes and uh, and, and Toe Cutter, so... Hugh Kynes Burn and Toe Cutter is all time awesome. He he changes his voice scene to scene to seem crazy. <laughs> he really believes the character is crazy. Yeah. yeah. His love name him. is the Night but it's, Rider. It's the same, I Think love of that him. It's the same, it's the same actor as a Morton Joe in Fury Road. I mean, I love that he got to play these two iconic villains in the same franchise. I love that. It's neat. Yeah, really neat that they bring him back for the latter one because he's fantastic. He wears a Genghis Khan like uh, furry jacket, and that really was his. He saw him as as Genghis Khan of the Outback, but who had really gone mad and, and who who didn't know why he was doing anything, essentially, is how Hugh describes him. But before well, we get to him, we meet um, Bubba Zanetti, who's one of my favorite ah, henchmen in all I of love films. Bubba. He's standing that there hair, with the guy, and he's hair. like, yeah, we're here we're here to pick up our friend. He's so, mm-hmm. uh, so great. We're here but to pick up the, our friend. All the pauses and the deliveries, even from the... the 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 ticket guy the the yeah. railroad guy yeah it's yeah. all these weird long pauses and he then is yeah it's goes a, super hat, awkward goes to get a hat to go to the it's like it's so all these weird little details it makes it but this whole sequence i think is one of the two most disturbing in the whole yes. film for me uh, yes. how this sequence ends is mm-hmm. just upsetting and it's exactly what you're talking about we don't actually we know what ended up happening right. to both those young people, but mm-hmm. it's, we don't see it, but I just, that is that this recent rewatch made me very upset watching that sequence. It's extremely upsetting. Again, it's played mm-hmm. in this almost weird Keystone cop style of goofiness and irony, but yeah. it, what, but then at the same time, when the violence starts coming down, the hyper editing, when they're, when they're wrecking that hot rod out in the field, yeah, 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 yeah. like it, it, it it eventually you get the sort of maximum impact out of it without like you say without actually seeing it but it it's terrifying it just it starts with this you know the toe cutter uh, with the night rider's body showing up on this rail um platform am i wrong or is that coffin smaller you no, know, it's too small because it's all well, that's, that's what left they of said. He even says yeah, they said no, they're not lo- he goes not well they didn't leave much clear. left of me he yeah, goes yeah. and yeah. bubba says they must have cut his heart out. Oh yeah, yeah. Says. Okay. And he's like, uh, "Yeah, I, that's what I meant." I, I love the <laughs> unease that that they start out this whole sequence with. Not only with the the train guy, but 
like all the other people, like the one that he licks one guy's face and then yep. they're skipping. Mm -hmm. So it's all they blow a milkshake in that guy's face and then yeah, lick yeah, it off. And it's it implied off. that he's also sexually assaulted, if not murdered. Yeah. Do you see his girlfriend in the scene still with them later in the movie? It's creepy. The two kids the and the hot rod the are, they're all just the hanging out there like, ah, oh, look at all the cool motorcycles. Like, there's this sense to like, well, this is just the, the world now and, and isn't mm -hmm. this neat. And then when it turns, and it turns yes. by them just pranking, they're not even yep. really into their own evil. They're just anarchists and they don't care and they don't value human life and they don't, and they, and then it gets very, very quickly and terribly out of hand. And the gleeful, the gleeful chaos made me think a lot of uh, the guys in uh, A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Um, when, you know, they're just a delight of yeah. just yeah. creating. But well, you know, they're all high as kites anyway. They're, they're, they're in another zone. You know, right. I don't think it's even that they're, they're not in control with themselves. I don't think, you know, yep. but it's, it's sad because the young couple, they really, now when they peeled out, they didn't hurt anybody they didn't hit a bike no thing. they but they, just they they put toe cutter when he heard the other activity going on is running around the corner and they almost hit him and they leave him right, in a right. big bunch of dust and the point the movie's making is that's enough that's enough oh, yeah, for them exactly. to be hunted down and and brutalized yeah, yeah. Well, i guess i didn't i didn't see it as much like that as in like well these are people who saw what we're doing I don't think so. Don't, I really okay, think I, it's. I, I really think it's. You think, almost hit me with your yeah. car. If he, if they had just waited for him works, to run by, yeah. they might yeah, have been okay. Totally, they, yeah, yeah, they needed no justification for it. They just did it. They just did yeah, it. Just, but there is. Oh, hey. But there is a sort of to leave the psycho irrational yeah. justification for it. I think that's in evidence in the film. I don't want to. I don't want to go past the fact that Toe Cutter has an actual moment with Knight Rider's coffin. There's something very. I would love to have explored that more. Like what was that relationship? You know, what, um, cause obviously it's a precursor for everything to come, you know, what happened to him, but it's that moment of him walking over silently, you know, to, to have a moment with his coffin. There's it's fascinating. He's got a scene where they reference it directly, which is coming up. We'll talk about it a little bit about it there. As, yeah, it, like it, I say, not what's not in evidence that's interesting, but what actually is in evidence, what, what Bubba says um, about Johnny, when he's sent on the mission to, to bail him out of prison is yep. telling as far as how that goes. I think. Yeah. He's, so, he's, yeah. He's no night rider. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like what you said about like, like Michael, what you're saying, I, I, um, I dug that too. Cause it was like, why, why was night rider screaming so much? Like you see me now, Togata, you see yeah. me now, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, you're watching Togata, you know, like that. He was whatever, trying to earn you know, his stripes with him in, in a major way. No question. Uh, or was he uh, was he acting out because maybe he and Toe Cutter uh, had an argument um, or a quarrel of some kind and a that, lovers you know, quarrel so, uh, that maybe could possibly. be, but it but it um, it feels more that's like all speculation. It all feels speculation. more like he's trying to impress him and he's just shouting well, to, the to you. To you, it felt to me more like. To me and it, everyone it, else it, who's analyzed the movie throughout time. Yeah. All right. Damn. Uh, I mean, this um, isn't a film that's not discussed. Your take is interesting. No, but, I get it. I, but I, I've never I get heard it, it but before. We, all right. Well, uh, okay. Um, then, so then we get, uh, so the, the couple that is brutal, brutalized 
Um, but Johnny, Johnny the boy, is left behind because he's too high to even yep. escape the crime scene. So he's arrested. They don't kill him. Mac, you know, they, they got to take him to the hall. It's the halls of justice for a reason. So they're going to bring him back to the halls of justice. And who's the actor that plays Johnny? Because that guy's Tim Burns. He's fantastic. He's a classically trained actor. Like he was, he was an Australian stage actor. So he, he really didn't get along with everybody on the set really well, which just fills the thing up with tension. Well, in a great way. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to gloss over either the fact that we do get that aftermath. I mean, goose. No, you see the you is, see the guy without any pants on and his blood away. all red running away. And what does yep. Goose say to him? Hey, you know you're a turkey. <laughs> he says, yeah. "Yeah, you know." And it's cool because he doesn't get what's going on here. But yeah. but when they find the young girl in the car and she's absolutely shattered. Yeah, it's. Just, I mean, it's it harsh. Happens. It is absolutely harsh. It's what Joel said. It's the aftermath of the thing, the forensics of the thing being much more powerful than them pounding you over the head with what the thing actually was. And mm -hmm. it really does work. It really works in this case because it's not a murder even. There's a victim here who's absolutely scarred by this event and who did absolutely nothing nothing except just I had be a, alive in this brutal world i had an interesting thought though because goose carries her into the car so they're going to be in the same car with johnny boy it just I, like logistically i'm like this is awful this woman's now going to be taken to the hospital in the same transport as one of the the assault yeah you know, assault although we we would what we know about johnny we would expect he wasn't part directly of the assault in any case mm -hmm. And then, um, so, Maybe you know, you think, okay, well, in any case, you know, where, where <laughs> in, where in any sort of semblance of reality, we would expect, uh, Johnny to, uh, to, to be facing charges and going to jail well, and this, everything, but and it's a good time to talk about way. Johnny. This is kind of like what you said, Joel, as I have no reason to know this, but it's interesting when you think about it, I really don't think he's done anything real brutal. I think he's along for the ride. And I think at the longer he's with this gang and doesn't do anything useful or awful, the more sort of resentment the rest of the gang is getting. It's not just that he's incompetent or so stoned that he got caught. They don't like that either. But there's something about it where you're not even one of us, man. You don't have your F. You suck. And we all well, love Knight Rider, you know, our, our leader's old main squeeze, and we don't like you. And that... that tension is all sort of well, wrapped because we up do get that confirmation that because with goose later we do get confirmation that's his first um assault yeah. or yeah, yeah no that's what i'm saying and and i'm just saying i think he's i think johnny's an interesting character because i do think he's kind of an innocent i think he's along for the ride with these guys I, when it comes time for him to do something really nasty he doesn't want to do it and he never mm -hmm. is seen doing anything either. He mm -hmm. he talks a big game, and he is happy to be in the gang. He's not going to be one of the cops, so where else do you go in this world? But I just really think he it's what happens to him is also sad, because he really is just there to have a good time and be stupid and make noise and break glass. He isn't there to rape or kill anybody. And, mm -hmm. and yet... You know, he suffers the fate of those that who do, frankly. And even when we see him committing murder, which I guess we'll get to here shortly, it, it's he's absolutely conflicted and terrified by it. He really, left to his own devices, wouldn't have anything to do with it. I love how stupid he is in that scene. It's great. He's the, so stupid. The, the exchange with him and Toe Cutter, 
with the matches is just so wonderfully done and there's the pause there they take their time and and you're like you are so stupid johnny you, you are, are so, so stupid he's just super stupid but but the yeah. fact that toe cutter has the patience yep. you know mm -hmm. so let's get to that scene so johnny's attorneys uh and the like no none of none of the witnesses show up i hate what? to say this but yeah throughout yeah. the years this is my favorite scene in the movie hands down the chaos and mm -hmm. oh, goofiness the of the scene and the the what is what did he do the yeah yeah, yeah. it's been a pleasure yeah, yeah that's what he does and uh yeah so um so johnny's Which released is a great and... kiss off we should all still be doing mm -hmm. that today hey don't cut me <laughs> off it's a pleasure. uh <laughs> um, goose of course goose of course uh kit is uh you know irate. They, and, and they know he's yeah, going to be irate yeah. when they find out so they try and get to him first so that first. he doesn't completely yeah. lose mm -hmm. his mind what and, does he say uh, they're laughing at us they're laughing at us i mean you really do feel it when he says it it's a great and you you gotta love the casting of the costume choices of the two attorneys. Yeah. I'm like, of course, this is what they look like. You know, yeah. it's exactly. You know, it's so. Yep. That, like the guy that, with the, the little squirrely guy is one of my favorites ever. The courts will hear about this. They'll hear about I, this disgrace. Yep. Um. So, but Yo, what does he call him? Your your. <laughs> yeah, but this is important to say. Bubba Zanetti had to come and get him, and he didn't want to. No, that's yeah. the scene right before this. Is is Bubba saying? No, I'm not. He goes, you're going to go and you're going to get him, Bubba, is what is what Toe Cutter says to him. He's like, no, I'm not. Not me. Not for him is what he says. Yep. But it's not for him, Bubba. It's for me. It's for yeah. me. It's mm -hmm. for me, Charles Manson. Yeah. yeah, he's no Knight Rider. I love I love Bubba Zanetti. Yep. And what is he's got yep. a line in here where he's waiting and the kid goes, well, well, blah, blah, blah. Something happened. He goes, yes, it must be a kind of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so, it, yeah. I mean, it's so great that everybody else made the the uh, the the choice to be, I mean, who knows what the discussion was, but the fact that we have this one character who is absolutely undercutting everybody's energy yeah, is it's, so it's great. It really it's does so... make him stand out in a really it, wonderful it, way. You know, and you can tell about Bubba Zanetti is a template for a lot of other henchmen and lead like lead henchmen, you know, in, in future movies, uh, you know, across genres that cool, calm, collected uh, second um, I, is. Well, I think it's in interesting. Isn't that what I, we always said that I say too much? But it's I <laughs> the fact that all of these secondary biker, they all have different personalities. Obviously, they're all. They're all named, and they're all named. Yeah, that, that's rare. The only that two of them don't rarity. have their names said out loud at some point in the movie. That's a deliberate choice to give them personality and to give them a presence in the film that another film wouldn't have bothered. That's what with. I think is great because they're yeah, physically and and costume wise, they all look very different. I mean, Bubba's white hair, but it's just there. I love that. There's, there's something going on with every one of these people. And you, and, the, and again, seeing the way they relate to toe cutter in different ways. I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to see that kind of detail in just a bunch of bad guys. Yeah, mm -hmm. I no, I agree. I mean, in a way they're faceless enemies when they're chasing the hot rod down, they're these things where they're just specters and we don't even know what they are. And yeah. yet on the beach and in these other scenes, they're just these guys that are loaded with personality and that, that Kundalini. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. Kundalini. Mm-hmm. Kundalini, Kundalini with his mannequin early in the film, and yeah. Kundalini uh, assaulting that guy in the town. And he does that whole thing where he stops and he gestures to let the other guy go in to do whatever the hell they're going to do to him, whatever awful yep. things. It's yep. Yep. his. He's he's having a good time. He's got. He's loaded with personality before he even becomes important. Personality plus. That is good storytelling. Um, there's no question. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, yeah Johnny yeah, gets out. One Bubba the... takes him back to the gang. That uh, that breakdown in the courtyard is is one thing. Uh, Goose puts himself out. What does he say? We know your name. Mm-hmm. That's we know. I mean, in a movie, we know what that means. That's not good news. No. Yeah. And um, and so Johnny goes uh, does get his uh, he gets gets his revenge. He uh, sabotages Goose's bike um and uh is that before or after that's 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 after the beach scene though you got to talk about that weird baptism scene with toe cutter oh sure yeah yeah so yeah yeah, so it is yeah i mean that yeah so johnny is back johnny you know yeah johnny gets to come back to the game and it reminds me of that similar weird murder scene in last house on the left it's pretty in an awful sort of way and they don't yes. even do anything. He just takes his puts yeah. his arm around him and they walk oh, out. Oh, but into that the yeah, they get the... right into the sunlight. It's so mm-hmm. and yeah, and so that's and that Bubba, is... Bubba's got another great line. You just don't have any style, do you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're celebrating. They they siphoned a whole bunch of gas from a tanker, and so they're they're celebrating and they some for some reason have a mannequin. Um, who they've adopted, who remains with them till the end of the movie, and again another yep, yep. really weird. It gets more um, and more like the pieces well, come it off, but it just... that they they set up camp at this beach, which is, of course is important. Mm-hmm. Later, so yeah. and and it it yeah, and this this moment between Toe Cutter and Johnny the boy is it it's like this is like you said, Ryan. It's like you haven't done anything, you haven't shown your worth, and it feels like this is you know, a message from toe cutter to the rest of the gang that Johnny, the boy is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also a message to Johnny, the boy of step up and you're gone. Shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. And that, and, and you know, it's so a walks him out into the, into the ocean and, uh, and it's and, really creepy. And then yeah. that night when they're sabotaging the bike, which is, it's just Johnny doing that. And the, we can't talk about Mad Max without talking about the licorice ride. I have a story, a real quick story, because this always, every time I watch this, I think of you, Ryan Harris. So oh, nice. Because you are, you are the music, you know, everything music, right? Okay. So me being me back in college, when we must've watched this together. And I don't know if you remember this conversation. Not but so I'm far. Like, I didn't remember, I didn't know enough about ABBA Mm. and I didn't know that they were, you know, a Scandinavian group. So I saw that woman that sings licorice ride. And I'm like, is that the chick from uh, ABBA? Like she looked like Agnetha, I guess is who I'm thinking of. I don't know. Agnetha. Yeah. Agnetha. Yeah. Yes. She does (laughs) kind of look like her. You were so kind to me. Because me having this doesn't sound like ass... me. <laughs> no, you were, you were, you were very kind. But I, I didn't know either that it was because I thought Abba was Australian, sure, sure. maybe because of or... Priscilla. I don't know, you know. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm like, is that problem? Near? Oh no, no. But you very kindly said, no, they're they're Norwegian, right, or Swedish, and whatever. And I'm like, oh okay. But it was 
it was a very kind because I'm I it's one of those things I look back on in my life I'm like oh, what a stupid ass I was like I just didn't know I knew who Abba was but I didn't know where they no came but she from. but that's this mm -hmm. lady who by the way when this was released to the rest of the world it was released overdubbed with uh, American actors oh really I did not know that. Yes, the only don't, version don't, I no, watched until just ten years it. ago. I have something. I have something about that later. Okay. Oh well. Either way, I just yeah. just as this anecdote me, leading to that, we won't get. I was going to get into it too. here, but we won't. But she was the only voice that was left at, uh, untarnished. You know, the voice you hear here and the voice you hear in every other version of the movie is this singer from. Um, whatever she's just uh, she's doing karaoke really there's no band which is smart mm -hmm. getting a band on stage to be playing the horns and stuff that are in this song that would have looked totally stupid so they just have this this kind of hot lady up on the thing with this very severe very abba-esque makeup i would totally agree with you there okay. i can see why you i mean i can see why you do because uh, the ladies in abba are really attractive but i really think that the disco era makeup really makes them look harsh and brutal whenever i see them like in close up with that weird makeup on them, I was like, they just are. It's like they don't they don't look like people. Yeah, yeah. They look gross, and I've always thought that. And I think that about her. This lady's like, Bleh. she's all her songs all like, come on, she's, goose, well, come on, and so you know, yeah. licorice ride me into the night. And he's all like, whoa, mm -hmm. she's singing about me and my motorcycle. Like, I mean, just it, just a sidestep. I, yeah. I I would offer a licorice ride to goose. I'm just would you. <laughs> <laughs> so goose um, goose gets lucky with the singer at that this bar has a name i can't remember what it's called um but they yeah and while and then he wakes up in the morning you know morning after gets on the motorcycle hits the road the motorcycle's obviously been tampered with the but, you know Go goose is i mean goose has tons of luck until obviously it completely runs out Right. But like, because yeah. he doesn't, you know, is is it the the tampering of the motorcycle that kills him? Does he get into a massive motorcycle accident? No, he he lands. flies. He flies eighty seven feet in the air yeah. during that accident. But he yeah. he flies out into a field of brush and everything, and he just he's got his helmet and his knee pads on, and he really doesn't get injured. <laughs> yep. Uh, However, so sabotaging the bike wasn't enough to yeah. kill him. And then a guy Got comes in. along and gives him his car. Here, go here mm -hmm. you go. You know, and he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll ride this back bicycle back. Yeah. There's a great scene with Goose early in the film where he's looking at that stupid motorcycle with the sidecar with the dome on top yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, Oh, how's this work? And they're just chatting, and he's like, Well, since you had a nice talk with me here, and he goes, he hands him his little his card, and he goes, What's that? He goes, it's your get out of jail free card. Yep. So if it, you I, ever get into I, trouble, just flash the goose's card and and. Uh, well, I I love Goose the character. I and he's it's he's lovable. You get why everybody loves him. And it's the 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 sequence coming up when he's in the truck driving and that weird weird song. But it's one of those things. Is like, was that a character choice? Did you do it on the spot? Did Miller Hay say sing a song? No, it's like, I mean maybe I saying sing so, a song, but that is clearly an improvised so thing. Yeah. And it's um yeah. Yeah, this it, so it's it's a beautiful setup for what's about to happen, which by the way it's, the the timing of the hubcap it's unbelievable. Don't tell me only, Johnny the boy has the no story, talent. Not only in the yeah. story but in physically filming the thing. I'm like I don't it's yeah, how does Johnny have yeah. this kind of ability, you know? It's amazing. 
you know, that's that. that's Toe Cutter's genius is he knows how to find the talents and and Correct. really help help them discover who they are, Their what the abilities. skills and talents yes. that they have. Um, yeah, the um, uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Goose, uh, like all many oh. gooses, has a great song like Goose from Top Gun, the goose from uh, Babe the Pig, um, you know, many also gooses. Also George uh, Miller. Ferdinand. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so Goose, uh, his luck finally runs out and they track him down and flips the, when he gets that hubcap smashed through the window, flips the, the the um the truck over and and gas is everywhere and all stuff is although going even on. that accident he's trapped in there but he De- seems he like he would have been perfectly right. okay if he could have just gotten out yeah, yeah. probably i mean he did break a leg earlier so i guess you know he's he's not you know he's not untouchable or you but know he's still riding proof, the bike but he's an apple so you know. correct yeah. um and uh but Toe Cutter and his gang come on up, and then we get that great scene with the match and Johnny yeah. the Boy. I think it's, I kind of feel like this is a precursor to um, jumping ahead to Road Warrior a little bit, but the the demise of the car. Yeah. I feel like this is a similar kind of setup. It even feels the same. Um, anyway, I just, yep. it, this is such an unnerving scene. But that because, cigarette, you know, light light my cigarette, and he takes, takes the match and uh, he lights it, and then he. Oh, he's so dense. Blows it out and. He just sits there and waits for him to figure it out himself, and then and and Johnny's. Uh, I don't want that. Look at him. We won. Doesn't he look yeah. silly? He looks silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's it. it that isn't that enough? Yeah, that should be enough. But it's He's a humiliated. great performance from yeah. Johnny. Like that, the the sweat on his brow, his eyes are wild. It's just so. It's a mm-hmm. fantastic. It's, yeah. it's a fantastic performance. Really, really good. Yeah. So, in the eyes of the gang, Johnny the boy becomes Johnny the man, having claimed <laughs> the life of yep. Goose. Sort of. Goose still lives, technically. Technically. Yeah. But uh, he is. Um, but he's no longer the goose, as they say. Yeah, he is no longer the goose. That's uh, not the goose. And, yeah, and and so back at the hospital, oh, uh, Max mm. Max goes gets to go in and see him, and that's why yeah he says no, not goose. That, no. Well, and that and that's anything. significant because it's not just it's not, it's Max just denying that that's his friend because he can't handle it, but it's there. Goose is clearly the leader of this group of cops, and when Max comes out and denies him the way, you know the way. Uh, Peter denied Christ. Truly, that's what this this is. And you see the other cop, I can't remember his name, the Big Bopper's uh, partner. He just, he he, he starts pounding the wall because it's like your dad just said, you know, we're getting a divorce or something. You can tell that they all feel like this is just completely falling Mm -hmm. apart. And it's it's a fantastic scene. It's riddled with tension. No, that the visual in there, again, one of those stingers, but the, that weird camera trick he does there is so unnerving, you know, where they kind of, it kind of flutters or something. Yeah. Um, but the fact that again, they don't show it. I mean, oh, you're yeah. left to be like, you know, I mean, they give you that. Arm, we get a little hand. Yeah. I get a, but it's like knowing how bad that is. And, and again, that hand is actually is the made up hand of the old woman from the end of the movie. She's the one who did that little scene for the ah, just, a weird, just a weird bit of trivia. I don't know why that's interesting, but it kind of is, but it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's horrible. It's horrible, horrible. And I think it's again, a testament to Miller and to the writers and everybody's that, you know, 
that we care that much about Goose, you know? Well, and like, that denial old. that I'm leaving you, I'm leaving him, I'm moving on from this, that was good, supposed to pay off in the next movie. Yeah. Humongous was supposed to be a burned, scarred goose running a gang in the future who went bad Wait, when he got out what? of the hospital. That's how it was originally written. They abandoned it, but that was the idea. I can't imagine that. That would have been yeah, because we do never, we do never hear. I don't believe of go that goose actually died. We just are assuming. Yeah, yeah. that was the that was the concept for that character when they first started writing the sequel. Wow. That would have been hard um, I don't think I would have handled that well. Well, I think that's why they abandoned it because they, it wasn't. I mean, I don't know if they, the actor or whatever, but I think the idea was that's it's like that's rough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's not fun at all, and, mm -hmm. and it would have sort of ruined all those great action figure cheesy moments that you know. Where again in that film, the the good guys and bad guys alike, the side characters and the villains are the comic relief but let's not yep. we got a whole episode yeah. to talk about that but just so to tie have, that in this injury yeah. causing him to survive but to survive in a way that doesn't feel human his being denied by his best friend and being left by the system turns him into a supervillain. i mean it is actually a very cool origin story for a bad guy if you ask me yeah yeah sure um and so we get so Max is Max is done, no longer on the patrol. Quitting. Bye. See ya. Max. Uh, me and Jesse. We're gonna give him back to heroes. This is the of all the fetishism and homoeroticism in the movie. This guy with the leather pants, the no shirt, and the white World War One ace flying ace scarf. That's like some serious daddy. Going on there. <laughs> yeah, there are there are a whole nightclubs. But, he, but he's listening to classical book. music and watering plants with these giant pecs hanging. It's such a great image, you know. It, and and it's I don't know. It's, it's so the goose bought it. A, That's the way he always went into the world. <laughs> even as even as a kid, even you would admit it. it was about time. You know, his luck running out. It's so yep. great. <laughs> But even as a kid, this was so striking to me. Not only because of Poppy was I was turned on by it as a young kid, but <laughs> but it was just so odd. Like the yeah. classical yeah. music, watering, yeah, little bow. Oh yeah, I mean in a, in a in a time of absolute where everything is breaking down and and uh, society is crumbling. He he, this is a giant dude who still is uh, uh, values the beautiful thing. Like he needs to make sure he's taking care of I, these flowers. I know we're getting a Furiosa standalone movie, but I would love a Fifi standalone. I would love to know more about this guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. You say that, but that's almost never the case. Mad you you get that movie and then you're like, oh, I wish I could go back to knowing less about this guy. Ah, uh, you're right. <laughs> Mad Max Fifi Road. <laughs> um, so, you know, so we have, so we have a nice big, pretty long sequence here. Cause, uh, cause technically Max, you're like, Max is done. He's not going to change his answer, but technically it's like, it's go on vacation, vacation. Yeah. go on vacation, think about it, and you'll come back and everything will be, will be back. Yeah. It's in your so, blood, Max! Yeah, exactly. And um, so they go off, and and Jesse and uh, Sprague's uh, head out. They buy a the dog. Road. They yep. buy a dog, and it is, it's like the raindrops are falling on my head moment from <laughs> Butch and Sundance. A road movie it's, montage with the happy right, family. But, okay, here's the question. As I'm watching this on Monday, 
how many sections in that montage was Sprague's not there? I'm like, where is the kid? It's, yeah. it's a valid question right up until the I think end, he was, actually. He was cleaning the guns. He was cleaning the guns that they had with. And the kids know where to be found. No, obviously yeah. he wasn't there because I mean, the kids, kids are expensive and there's rules about yeah. them and they didn't want to show them or bother with they them during them, all these yeah. setups they in all these leashed. different locations. Yeah, they had him leashed to a tree. He's part so of that sequence, but you're right. Yeah. He's not. It should be all of them all the time, right? That's how you would mm -hmm. do it. But I, the practical yeah. answer is the answer yeah. in this case, which is let's <laughs> leave the kid out of everything that we yeah. don't need he, a kid for. He's with May. He's with May. Let's just. He's with that. May. Yeah. So they're yeah they're staying at a lovely Australian B and B uh, with apparently. Well, before they uh, get there, they stop to get a new tire and, uh, have some ice cream on the beach. Don't forget. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, yeah. Then it's like, cause then it's like, Oh yeah, no, nothing happened. Uh, no, the, they get some ice cream on the beach and they run into Joe Cutter Joe and his gang. Well, before we um, go any further, I have to talk about my dubbed, uh, story. Okay. Go. Yeah. 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 Because my older brother and I, we both adored these films. Right. So, um, we also saw originally the dubbed version. Of everybody did. I mean, everybody and, did till really recent memory. Yeah. There was as yeah. much, you could only see the dubbed version as there's been since 2005 or whenever the regular yeah. one came out to the world as well, anything. So it, it's tragic because, although I just, and then a little history on the dub and then I'll let you finish your thought, but the, the dub, it to be fair, American audiences, they, they didn't have really any pop culture experience with Australian accents at all. Yep. It wasn't that you can't understand what they're saying. They're speaking English, but the accent itself was disorienting for them because they yes. didn't even change the Australian slang that's in the movie. They left it all as is. They didn't change anything, but they really had, a, a to be fair, a legit concern that this film wouldn't play because of the accents. And... Yes. It, it's all worked out in the end, so we're all happy, but it, it is hard to go back and watch the terrible dub now. Well, we, the uh, the tire repair guy that tells them to go for their ice cream. Yep. They'll appreciate the business. That is exactly it, because the dubbed version was so over the top. They'll appreciate the business. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what he says. Yep. And it's that because I remember seeing the new, the regular version. I'm like, I'm missing my favorite line delivery of the whole film. Yeah. So my brother and I quoted that. We still quote that when we see each other. They'll appreciate the like, it's like It's like Red Fox delivering the line. It's very weird. But it's... Um, Elizabeth! Elizabeth, they're coming for ice cream! Because it's just so... Um, yeah. Anyway, that's that's like one of my favorite. <laughs> it, it's a voice actor coming in to to do the voice of a talking rooster instead of a person in a story, and that's no, just like, that's the, the nature actor, of the whole thing, really. In a nutshell, regular actor, the Australian actor is like they'll appreciate the business. Oh, they'll appreciate mm -hmm. the business. You know, yeah. it's like where, how where you would actually you? say it, maybe. Right. Anyway, that's my dub version. I, yeah, that's <laughs> um, that's awesome. Anyway, um, these guys so come, up, come up, and this is bad news because we've seen this before. It starts playfully and innocently enough, but anytime these guys get involved in anything, anytime it goes south, you just know that it's going to get super, super ugly. And cutter eating if you the thought ice Johnny cream. the Boy was stupid, what happened? To, oh, yeah. Kundalini is the stupidest. Oh stupidest person like in almost all of these films and it's full of but stupid people but it has people. the best line in the entire trilogy it's coming 
It's coming. Yeah. Well, what Kundalini um, does is he's got this, he's cleverly figured this out. He's got this chain wrapped around his arm so that he won't let go of it. And he throws it. Perfect throw. Again, really good. Beautiful. Hand-eye coordination. Toe cutter knows how to bring out the talents. It wraps around the luggage rack on the top of the station wagon they're driving around in. And and it works. And yet it appears to... Because Toe Cutter tries to lick her ice cream and come on to her. Right. And that's that's what makes her run away and she knees him in the crotch. And that's when Kundalini does his thing. Yep. Yeah. Right. And Jesse is heroic here. She's she's scared out of her mind, but she kicks ass when she needs totally, to totally for the does. for her yeah. own survival and her own kid, which is pretty cool to see, I have to and say. And you'll note, like you said, Sproggs is holding on for dear life with that ice cream. Doesn't yeah. matter yep. what's going on. Yeah. He's yep. it's he, priorities. Priorities, baby. Yeah, um, no kidding. And so, it, and they're they're they uh, get back, and she says, "We gotta go, we gotta go." And he's like, "Well, what about the tire or whatever?" And they just he. It's another great moment because at first he's like, "Why? What happened?" And she just says, "We gotta go." And he Max yeah. kicks into action. He's like, "All right, cool. We're going. We're going." Yeah. It leaves behind the tire, <laughs> leaves behind everything, and heads off. And of course, further down the road, when they have time to catch their breath, they find the chain hanging. The dog is excited about something. It's, oh, God. It's the chain hanging off that back of the car with the hand attached to it. So. Oh, mercy. Which, of course, is brilliantly referenced years later in National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. Um, Two years, three the years dog later. To the Four years later. Um, <laughs> the. The, and I love this guy, too, the country cop who comes out to help him. He's like a cross between Wolfman Jack and Tom Savini. <laughs> yeah. and he, it, but it's cool because he's all in the leathers. He, it's cop to cop. It's, it's, it, it, again, he's barely in the thing, but I love the, the presence of this dude. And he's like, well, if, we, if nobody comes to claim it, then I guess it didn't happen. <laughs> yep. You know, what do you want? These guys are assholes. I don't care. I'm not going to go investigating mm-hmm. this. And... Uh, you know, it's that's a neat little moment, but you just know well, things are going to get ugly. And there's this great, it's yep. almost slasher worthy moment when they get out to the cabin in the woods that's near the beach with Aunt May and her her shotgun yep. as well. Which, by the way, how do we have zero introduction to May? Like zero, nothing. There's, because you don't, don't need have... it. Again, it's the mo- it's one of the most efficient movies ever. You don't need it. Who she is. What? Oh, how she interacts bit. with these people? Don't even at all? Know who's who's Aunt May? Is she uh, Max's aunt or Jesse's aunt? I don't know. Just a little. I don't. I, I don't know. You know. I, without, maybe she's neither. Yep. You know. She just. Maybe that's she's just, just. She's just Aunt May. Um, everyone's Aunt May. And she, yeah, we get. The, but again, even the introduction to uh, poor false scare Benno. She's like, oh, yeah. if you see Benno out there, don't worry. He's just, you know, he's just hanging out in the woods like he always does, or whatever. Yeah, just and and Jesse's like, of, oh, we gotta make fun of somebody baby. disabled. Yeah, so let's. We gotta make fun he's of somebody who's developmentally disabled. Says. Yeah, but um, I actually, but I get what you're saying, Joel, because it definitely follows yeah. that trope almost to a T. But they don't really make fun of him. He has some utility in the story, and he's a pretty nice guy, as it turns out. He is sort of scary, and then he does yeah. kind of try and contribute. And I also like his um, his sensitivity to the situation when it goes south. Is really, really played by the actor. That guy who plays him, I think, is the only actor who shows up other than Mel Gibson in the sequel. He's one um, of the guys tied to the front of the the... <gasps> Ah, oh, wow. interesting. Um, let's. I, I, I also, thought that I, the guy 
who Goose steals his lunch at the very beginning of the movie, played the uh, the sort of curly-haired, panicky guy amongst the good guys, too, but they might just be guys that look a lot alike. It's hard to say. Um, but Benno definitely shows up in the sequel. And, and yeah, I, I'm, you're not wrong, Joel. I don't mean to cut you off or disagree with you. It's, it's just more that <laughs> even films that we all love that aren't exploitation films from this era do that in a much uglier, awful way around this time and really for the next decade yeah, in yeah. movie making. And this this guy, yeah, he's goofy or whatever. He's Down syndrome maybe. I'm not sure what his deal is supposed to be. But he he's a he's a neat character. Yeah, his like, his it's it's probably it's probably autism before it was autism. Is yeah. is really what it is. He's Back off, then it was just whatever. Why, yeah, yeah he was these, yeah. A lot of these weird little details, you wouldn't have had to do that. I'm just curious, was it what was what was Miller's choice for a lot of these different choices? Well, it gives mm -hmm. I mean it, it gives him what it he wants. You you, it, you, you get the you know, you get the long stocking sequence throughout the woods on the long walk down to the beach, and then he does show up as yeah. prophesized, and he is a total innocent and would never hurt a fly, and it all you get the payoff and the relief of that. But that is a gag, which is dumb. Yeah. The part that the the part that I like about him is that when Mel runs off into the forest, he's like, he All right, I'm him. going with the help. Like there's a lot yeah. going on with that character that again, every time he's on screen, they give him something to do that's mm -hmm. not the worst thing in the world, which is all the only thing I'll say in defense of that. Because it really is gonna... false scare by mentally mm -hmm. disabled person. I mean, that's the key thing. That's why he exists. Mm -hmm. That's what I was gonna. Um, that's another quibble I was gonna take with you, and you you sort of mentioned it. Is that um, Aunt May's uh, house is not near the beach. That is a At long, all. crazy walk through a scary forest. Yes, just yep. to get to the beach. Enjoy, and he's like, la la la. She's we, like, ah, la, we, la, when we were just... kids, we used to go camping at Cass Lake, and Cass Lake's a really big lake that has a really long, long beach. Like you can go all the way out into the water and still have your feet touching the ground, like all the way out. It's crazy. Mm. And, but it's the same thing. The campsite is uh, this huge long walk through the scary fairy tale, evil <laughs> woods to get down to it. And I always remember that walk vividly because you're on camping, you're spending your whole time at the beach basically. And you mm -hmm. got to walk back and we were walking back by ourselves and you were kind of like, you always seem to show up at the campsite in some different spot than you left. Like it, it was disorienting and weird. <laughs> yep. And this absolutely has the evil walk through the, no, but it's, it's like by the, the beach. Yeah. It's walking distance from the it's, beach. I guess technically no, it is within see, walking distance. You see these vistas <laughs> from Aunt May's thing. Like when Mel and Benno start to go back into the woods, there is nothing but land yeah. for miles. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 Yep. I, I get it. But you got to go down. You go down the forest to to the lake. <laughs> it's like, but that whole like, sequence, still, stalking like... Jesse is terrifying. Even when oh the false God. scare happens, there's no relief. So, yeah. Her down on the beach, you know, playing catch with the dog and sunning herself. And then the dog hears something and sort of walks away. She gathers her stuff and comes back. Obviously, dog. the dog's doomed. We knew that as soon as they bought a dog. Mm -hmm. So the dog's like hanging from a tree that she runs into. Now it's real scare by dog carcass. But now she's terrified, and as you say, when they run up in the fracas, 
with Aunt May, and Aunt May, you know, again, she's many things in this film, but this is the moment where she's, oh, it's okay, we'll make some tea, and you had yourself a fright, and whatever, like, she doesn't get the seriousness of this the way Jesse does, or even the way Max does, Max leaving the scene, leaving them behind is a terrible decision, but I want to, I want to talk about the editing and the chase scene, because yeah. it's, the way that he cuts it, you literally get one millisecond of a figure before it hides behind a tree. It's, and he does it like five or six times. And it's terrifying. It's weird. I told like, you, it mix and matches. It's what you said about how they're these clowns and they have these goofy personalities. We're about to have a scene like that in moments. And yeah. also when they need to be, they're these faceless, terrifying specters that are coming to get you. And this scene, as much as the the chasing down the hot rod scene are, is, is that to a T. They're just... It doesn't matter what they are. It only matters that they're there and they mean you no good. It's it, it is really really effective. Yeah, yeah. And so Jesse, you know, they we get Aunt May. Aunt May shows up, uh, saves the day. So you know, at least you know, very briefly, at least gives them a reprieve. But Jesse did um, what the movie does. She sits down on that couch and catches her breath, and then realizes she just left her kid out there in the driveway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, or, like you, you know, Mel went off, oh. they left the kid with them, they went inside, and they just, for a moment, in all the craziness, just like us, they forgot yeah, yeah. about the infant just sitting out there by the car, and sure enough, she comes running out, runs around the corner, and sitting in one of the bad guys' laps or whatever is is Sprague. And a guy up on the side of the wall. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, a, in a red jumpsuit, and what is he, he getting a formal introduction to our heroes? Toecutter says... Uh, this is Kundalini, and Kundalini wants his hand back, hand back, which is one of the best lines in the movie, if not all movies mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Kundalini wants his hand back with no context is fantastic. With context, it's equally non sequitur worthy. It's just fantastic. And Kundalini's sitting there with his, <laughs> like his, yeah. he's been this joyful, happy guy, and he's kind of like, he's like a shell of his former self, which is kind of fun. But it's scary. So Sprague's sitting yeah. there. They all got guns and stuff. Aunt May comes around the corner with the big double-barreled shotgun and threatens them. And then for a moment, they get the kid back. But she can't Whoa. shoot. It's one of those she can't shoot them all. But she's like, yeah, but I'm going to fucking shoot you or whatever. Like It, yeah. it, it oh, holds it's, them it's in place for a reaction. moment. It's Toe Cutter's reaction. It's Toe Cutter's... Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Jesse, um, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. It's It's... Like I say, it's there, there's nothing even happens in the scene. It's all humor and goofiness, except like you say, you've seen that turn bad mm -hmm. more than once in the film. No, it's I I have vivid memories when I saw this as a young person, and this scene was always so I don't know unnerving or like there, I just was so upset by this sequence. I mean, mm -hmm. it's and I think there's something, and I think we talked about this in the Ozploitation things, but there's something so foreign about Australia the sounds and the looks and, and the feel of it. And having that with this midst of these kidnappers and yeah. we've seen them do things, this whole sequence is. And well, and more yeah. than that, we know that this is a movie. We know it's kind of like when you're watching a movie, like a disaster movie where you're like, yeah, the teenage daughter's not going to get killed. You just, you, you don't stop to think about that. You go along for the ride. That's why we watch movies. If you stop and think about that, then you're the one ruining everything for everybody. You don't. You just watch it. But this film, and you don't. Again, you don't stop to think about it. But somewhere, there's a voice inside you that knows this is the kind of movie 
where something horrible is going to happen here. They're not just going to, we're not going to yeah, get away clean not, out of this situation. This is not mm -hmm. safe. Yeah, at all. And, and, and so that has the feel of the thing, even though it's written like a, <laughs> I'm just clowning around with you. I even think Toe Cutter intends to scare her and clown around with her. I really kind of think this just turns like it, like they all turn on a little thing. That's all it takes. And then it becomes this murderous chase, which again is shot. And it's just shot so well, this, this, mm -hmm. where this, again, this other, this piece of really horrific violence that you don't really see anything, but the, the straight on, again, the anamorphic screen and the straight on shot of the road, straight on behind, straight on reverse with mm -hmm. her, with a child in her arms and flip flops running down a highway where a person like her should absolutely not be. Aunt May firing off the weapon. Max hearing the gun fire and running to help, but he will not get there in time, and you know it. And they run her down, the and the and the baby shoe and the ball bouncing down the highway yep. by itself. Um, this, all you need. This scene uh, more than one. Enough. I, I it's love just horrific. Aunt, I love that Aunt May is a badass. Like I, she mm -hmm. really tries. Um, but I the last time before this week revisit uh i was very moved and very upset by by jesse and sprogs what happened like i literally i mean i've seen this movie dozens of times yeah. and i just broke down crying i'm like this is horrendous and i i think that's me just getting older there's certain things that i can't really tolerate very well right uh violence wise in films like some of my favorites i'm like yeah i'll, I'll pass i just i can't <laughs> and i think mm -hmm. this is one of them even though monday i made it through but it's like god this is something so primally upsetting about this and you know of course uh gibson's reaction may's reaction when he runs past her you see benno mm -hmm. coming down the road it's just this amazing sense of complete chaos and insanity of what has just happened and it's 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 so difficult. something unthinkable has happened in the reactions. May's reaction and Mel's taking note of it, however briefly as he's coming around the corner, oh, and God. and you see him react, but you see it in a long shot. You don't they don't get up close on him or no, or her no. or anything. You see it all, but physically you just you feel it. Oh. Well, it's again, it's the same thing. It's not showing us something so grotesque. No, it's making it's you leaving it to our imagination and we making know how you bad feel it, it all the more because yep. of it. Oh, dude, this whole sequence is just so wrong. Yeah, I hate it. And so, for the first time, we see the titular Mad Max. Um, An amazing, and it's just as simple as can be. Again, it's straight and it's in reverse, but the scene of him in the leathers walking down into oh, the garage underneath the so halls of good. justice and he slowly dissolves as time uh -huh. dissolves as he disappears into the shadows and the pursuit special coming out of the dark that is my favorite shot in this whole film that's so cool <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's i mean really it's good. beyond cool and you need it you, you when you see it you're like they're all dead. And you and and again the films worked you up into this awful place where you really shouldn't be, but at least you can be safely with a movie but it is, where you just want that desperately. You want well, it does you want the dark that, justice that Sprogs is dead, but Jesse's alive. Yep. Yep. Jesse's and another alive. great and this uh, is a, I don't know if this is a great actor moment or great director moment or a little bit of both, probably. But I mean it, it's definitely a good actor moment because we see it on the screen. But when you overhear the 
conversation between the doctors is like, oh, just tell them, I don't know, uh, tell them she's going to be fine. Tell them she's going to be yeah. fine and tell yeah. them, uh, tell them it's all going to be okay. And if he wants to talk to me, can, and the camera zooms out and you see that he's right on the other side of the door hearing it. And yeah. he looks horrified sort of, but he already has that look on his face. That's scarier, which is I'm not a person anymore. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm shell shocked by this rather than I'm sad about this. Like I just was, I've changed. This is the moment where I turn it, where I lose my humanity and change and become an avenging angel. And, yeah. and it, it's powerful. Yeah. It's good that we rolled it back a little bit to talk about that. Cause same as the goose scene is she's still there. Kind of, they highly imply in their conversation that she's not going to make it. Whereas with Goose, they're just kind of like, well, mm, uh, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then they tell her just just lie to them so that we don't have a big scene. Like uh, maybe that's not his motivation, but I don't know why there'd be any other reason to tell them the opposite of what they think. Like it's just it's cold and awful and that he has to hear it that way well, that's and that he's hanging the... out hoping to hear anything but that. But that's, I think, part of the world that they've created, like that coldness. There's not a... You see the tow no trucks. One's, no one's At the very here. beginning, I didn't mention this is one of my favorite things about it. When they hear that there's a high-speed chase going on, the guys the come trucks. running out into the tow trucks. Yep. Tow trucks, yeah. To go out and make a buck, because this is what they do. They just wait for the this madness to happen, and then they... Yeah, they survive on it because it's all anybody cares about anymore. It's it's the thing that drives the economy. That that origin of what the story was lives on throughout in that way, and a really this cool movie. Yeah. It's this movie. I use the term brutal a lot, but this movie is just brutal. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a pleasing thing to revisit this. Um, I love it. I I love the film. I love the the action is bar none just the best until you do Road Warrior, but it's. Right. I just, I don't know. I'm getting sensitive in my old age. Yep. This is hard. <laughs> well, let's hunt down the um, bad guys and put a put a tag on this. Then that's all we yep. have left to do. Yep. And uh, yeah. So, it, but what's you know? So obviously, you know that that okay. Toe Cutter and his gang, they're done for. Max is, you know, <laughs> it, it, Max, Max is going to now. Max doesn't come away unscathed. No. Uh, he does get he he gets shot in the leg. There are there's a there's a well. We'll talk a about the first the gang moments. motorcycle chase. Yeah. First, he goes back to the guy who the the guy at the shop with the tire. We'll appreciate the business. Yeah, that guy, mm -hmm. and he <laughs> t basically tortures him and suggests he's going to kill him if he doesn't if he doesn't tell him who was there during the attack because yeah. he hasn't seen anything. He didn't see her exchange with him at the beach. He didn't see anything that happened at the farmhouse. So he has no idea, but he does. I mean, he knows, but he wants to know. And mm -hmm. he gets him to confess first by lowering a car on top of him that he's working on underneath. And then by basically implying he's going to leave the information or his brains on the pavement. And hunts down this other motorcycle gang with this a couple of incredible stunts. One that went wrong that's captured on yep. film. The yep. the guys flying off the bridge into the river and stuff is all done well. Yeah, but the, these two guys slide off their bikes on the yeah. ridge over the river. And yeah, the one guy on his bike's kind of doing exactly what it's supposed to do. But the other guy's bike's speeding faster and it rolls up behind him and smacks him in the back in of the, the head. head. Yeah, it's rough. It's because you can. Yeah, yeah, it was not supposed to happen, yeah. and there it is. One of those moments where, geez, he's got I his helmet on, and he was—I uh, guess yeah. he was perfectly fine. But it—it 
it's it's it looks, it's way uglier a thing than they were planning or that they expected to show or be able yep. to show. It's not a yeah. stunt that you would ever plan to be that way. Because yes, it's all do done in one it would, shot. It would, it would. I don't know that it would meet union rules. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Um. Yeah. So that's so. There's the bulk of the faceless gang taken out. Um. Then. Uh. Johnny makes a phone call. <laughs> Pretty Johnny cool does scene. make a phone call. Johnny makes a phone call and and we uh, Max approaches him in this car and again the speed of the car the where we see the gear shift with the nitro uh, switch if you're into I mean if you're into leather and car fetishes here you go and you finally you got a little <laughs> bit at the beginning you've gotten a little you know donut sprinkle of it throughout but this is it that him chasing those guys down and just mercilessly running them over is fantastic um but he pulls up and Johnny's playing dead out in the field. Yep. And so he gets out of the car. Once he's out of the car, I mean, he's still a badass, but he's just another guy really at that point. And uh, what do they do to them? They run him down, right? They shoot his leg. Oh, they shoot. First they shoot his leg so that he's incapacitated. Then they run over his arm. Then they run over his arm as he's reaching for the sawed-off shotgun. There's a deleted scene where he creates the iconic shot-off shotgun. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Because then he gets Bubba. They, I don't know he why they Bubba. didn't include that in the yep. film, but because it's so cool. But then, yeah, Max shoots Bubba off. Like, well, let's cycles heading towards him. Let's not dismiss Bubba like too quickly. I know you're trying to get to the end because we're going over time, but. I just Bubba's my favorite. I want to talk about him for a second. So, because first of all, he's the one who could have killed him, shot him, could or uh, Toe Cutter shot him, but could have killed him. Runs over his arm instead. And, and what does Toe Cutter say to him when they come together down further down the road? He says, "Quit toying, Bubba. Take care of him. This guy's effing dangerous." And he goes, he flips up the the reflective visor. The visor. Goes, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Flips it down. Goes off, and of course, this shot-off shotgun gets a lot of play in the Mad Max films, but it really is mostly used to trick, cajole, and threaten people. It only really ever kills two people, but one of the people it kills in extremely satisfying fashion is Bubba Zanetti. Bubba yep. revs up, makes a big deal on his bike, does the whole you know motorcycle murder foreplay thing, then comes zooming at him again, and just in time, in his in his bad hand, he gets that shotgun and boom, and Bubba's body just goes flying off the back of this motorcycle. Like it's, I don't know how they did it with wires or something. It's a fantastic stunt. Those double-barreled shotguns, like it, you know, we see lots of gun violence in these movies, but only a few movies does it really show what scatter shot really does to a person. It really does take you away from where you were. Every it doesn't just fill you with holes. It throws you back out of the world of the living, and that's what happens here. And you, then we see the reverse where the bike wipes out, and then the greatest thing ever that a villain's ever done in a movie, as Max gets up on his shot leg with his gimpy arm, with the shotgun, with one more shot in it and in his hand, and just starts dragging himself towards Toecutter with only vengeance on his heart. And Toecutter does what? He goes... <laughs> like a cat well, who didn't Johnny... get its dinner on time he hisses at him yeah. <laughs> and it's, he knows he's effed we all know he's effed the tide has turned even though this Johnny like gets up and 
from playing He's like, I'm getting out of here. He abandons this guy. It's fantastic. And then the mono a mono, the motorcycle versus pursuit special chase. Well, it's awesome. we get the yeah. we get the uh, the uh, patented Miller eyeball bulge yep. here, yep. which mm -hmm. I adore. And we um, get if you look closely, you know, and back on TV, I never noticed this, but on widescreen Blu-ray, you will see it. The truck driver who loaned his tanker truck for the two sequences was terrified that the accident was going to ruin his truck beyond being able to be repaired. So there's a false, there's like a shield of of plywood that's painted like the front of a truck. That is what mm -hmm. he actually runs into when the motorcycle gets obliterated. Um, so well, go back and check that out. It's it every time you see that tanker, it's on there. Like even in the scenes where there isn't a crash, you can see there's just this big panel in front that's painted one dimensionally yeah. or two dimensionally to match the front of the well, truck. And it's very funny mm -hmm. when you know the story where the trucker's like, "Yeah, you can have the truck, but you wait, you're gonna do what with it? <laughs> like it's just like you yeah, wouldn't... you're gonna yeah." So it's low-budget gloriousness. Three things that I have questions about before we move into Johnny, one of which is Johnny. Yeah. Because um, his his demise is fantastic. The whole setup. I, I, I want to know what you're doing. <laughs> um, but why is Johnny last? I mean, obviously, he had the toe cutter, but I'm saying structurally in the story, what do you think it means that Johnny was the last? Because it's not a chase. It's no self-defense. There's not me against you. Johnny's stuck, unarmed, useless, non-threatening, panicky. And when Mel, when Mel, when Max murders him, it's completely heartless and has no humanity to it. And that's the final nail. It's not in the heat of the moment. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's why it's um, la that's why it's last. It's it's not in the heat of the moment. It's not a fight. It's a it's a right. murder. It is a murder. Murder. Yeah, you're and right. it's I a get particularly it. cruel. Make him suffer as much as possible. Murder. He gives him an impossible decision. We can talk about Johnny now. It's the next thing that happens. Mel Max doesn't stop. He doesn't stop hunting these guys you know it's implied that it goes on and on until they're all gone and the last one we see is out in the middle of a field again where there's a tipped over rig and 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 uh johnny's basically scavenging it it's all he's doing he didn't he, you, don't, you don't get the impression he caused it i don't think it's really yeah. in his character he's he's taking the guy's boots and max just kind of quietly walks up to him with the gun in his hand and hands him these toy handcuffs <laughs> and he says, he doesn't say, he says ankle. He didn't even say, he didn't even give him directions really. And Johnny's happy to comply. And he's like, well, you're not going to, I was just taking these boots. He, he doesn't need them anymore. Like Johnny's panicked. Well, he says he repeats the silly line here on himself. I must look pretty silly, right? That's enough. That Shouldn't that be enough? That was enough for me. Right. It really is horrific. And he gets what the goose got. It, it's, 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 I mean, it's that's no, it's, why it's even though he's not the big bad, it's last because Max is is. I get it. I get Max it. Max is I mean, gone. Max is one of them now. And it's also and it's also not like like you said. It's not. It, I mean, it is a murder, but it's not. Max doesn't like walk up and just go. You know, boom, you're dead. Oh no! It's like he's him. going yeah. to torture him. Yeah. Leading to he his gets murder. the idea when he's standing there and he he has him handcuff himself to the to the thing and then he kind of sets up this little puzzle this little macgyver like the close like. up of the uh the 
of the in the headlight. Yep, of the leaking just, gas in the headlight. Eventually, yeah. that headlight's going to fill up. The gas is going to spill over, and if there's something burning there, the whole thing's going to blow up. And then he goes and finds a hacksaw that just happens to be hanging nearby, which you is know, convenient. Well, very, very common in the outback. They grow out there. True, we've <laughs> seen the evidence. So he hands him a hacksaw and says, "Well, this is going to blow up in a couple of minutes." He goes, uh, "At that, uh, that, that plastic." handcuffs i just gave you was actually made of high tinsel steel so because they're cheap toy <laughs> handcuffs i'm sorry they are if you just look at them um and he says you know it'll take you take 15 minutes to hack through that but you might be able to hack through your ankle in two in five minutes which incidentally i mean i think it's like two minutes <laughs> before it actually it's, yeah he, he, it's it's yeah it's Mel, but you know, I, my totally my other two questions. Um, it's what it's one sign? of the darker, ickier, like torturey murders that you guess that you're going to see. It he mm -hmm. really is effing with them because but there's because he can. No, on my part, there's no sympathy for Johnny. No, I mean that's what I think is is as brutal and horrible as it is. It's like he's the movie. No, justified. I, I mean I don't want to say that. Like there's no certainly no sympathy for Toe Cutter or Bubba. There might you might have you might have a little bit for Johnny maybe, but the reality is that you know if you really think about it. But in the moment, no, and that's because the movie's done to you what it's done to Max. You, your bloodlust is at an all time high. You yeah, want yeah, to see yeah. this act of human inhumanity. You want this guy taken off the earth, and you don't care how evil it is the way somebody does it, and that's. That's what a revenge movie does. It, if, if it's gotten you involved, it's gotten you involved on that terrible level. Yeah. And that's what's so great here. Well, I have two, two final questions that I want to pose. What is the, uh, the restricted zone? What is that supposed to mean? I always thought it was something nuclear. Uh, I always signs. thought too, because I always thought Mad Max supposedly happened after the war. They just didn't have the resources to really show you a post-apocalypse. But it also... So I don't know. They don't tell you. But it also could just it's simply mean creepy. this is an unpatrolled, unmonitored area where right. people aren't allowed to be unless they're doing something wrong. Like, and it's it's yeah. a warning to pedestrians and travelers to not go there. Yeah. Or that if you go there, you go there at your own risk. That's more how I took it. But that's not an evidence. That's just my, my guess, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, my, my last thing, I watched this with a buddy of mine on Monday. He'd never seen it. So I introduced him to it. And he and I wanted to bring this up because the uh, the revenge portion is literally what twenty minutes. Of not the last... even that. Not even that. So he's it goes like, really quick because he found the film boring, which I'm like that's sacrilege. But he's like, I loved the the ending when it really got cooking. And I'm like, my question to you guys is, do you agree with that? Would you have liked more revenge and less setup? No. I agree. I'm just curious what no. you. Thought. I mean, and I just I get what he's saying. If when you're you know you go back and watch something like this from 1979, I've always said what we talk about Star Wars on here as much as we talk about anything, and I've always said you people always say you should oh right people who say you should watch Star Wars in the order of the story, and I'm like you absolutely shouldn't. There are two big reasons why. One reason is. All the reveals that are so awesome in the original Star Wars trilogy are ruined by the prequels, and they steal those moments from them in, in awful ways, whereas they in the prequels they are used to good effect relatively. So don't do that. Don't rob yourself of the great moments in the great movies. But secondly, you're going to show a kid those prequels, which are constant 
alien fart jokes and absolute massive action that never slows down. And then you're going to watch like a new hope and the arguing with the farmers and stuff. It's like, it makes it feel boring. And it would certainly make anybody who grew up on one generation's thing or not feel boring. So when you go back, there's that, oh, there's nothing happening here, but no, there's not a, it's a 90 minute movie. There's not a, there's not a thing I would change about Mad Max, except, except if Toe Cutter and Knight Rider really had an argument before he went by, because this actually does make it like sadder and even more motivated. Like the whole revenge, like Joel said, I, I wish they'd have showed that or implied it somewhat because it, it, the film's clever in that it does do complicated things like that whenever it can. I just think it's also simple in that it doesn't do complicated things when they're not necessary, if that mm-hmm, makes any yeah. sense. But but it makes sense. Remember? I mean, if the last thing you said to somebody was that you cared about was something bad, and then they die, I mean, it actually does motivate you more, yeah. doesn't it? Uh, again, I don't think that's an evidence, but if it's an yeah. idea that makes them that gives the engine even a little bit more of it uh gives the movie even a little bit more of an engine so but mm-hmm. no it's not boring no it shouldn't be more violent or i mean come on no more violent not only that it's not boring the bailing johnny out of prison all that stuff none of that is it's all fantastic i i agree i agree it's the most exciting bailing out of prison scene in a movie i've seen in a long time in the last 50 years uh, at least you know, yeah so um but i sympathize I mean, with him though do i do use... because it's from another era it's from another time yeah. and it really is padded out even for a short movie that where they could only do so much action. I mean, they just only had so much time and money. So compared, you know, people have the same reaction when they see road warrior first, then they're like, Oh, there's another one. They get back to see Mad Max and they genuinely don't like it. And that's, again, that's crazy to me, but I get the disappointment coming from that action figure, post-apocalyptic nightmare to a weird, quirky dystopian revenge tale. Well, he's not, he's not seen road warrior. So when I revisit that, that will also be his first time, so I'm curious to see how that's going to go. It's boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's this guy with the airplane? He's boring. I hate him. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, going to be rough. Try and keep your cool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, kids. That is uh, that is the first episode of Mad Max May, and uh, we will be back next week to talk more about uh, well, we will be getting into another deep dive of this time Mad Max the Rude Warrior you of course can uh, reach out to us on social media the fo- the, uh, <laughs> the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook uh, engage with us there and also uh, you can um, find us on Instagram kind of on TikTok whenever I get around to it I've been busy and then uh, <laughs> but of course on you and if you want to watch this I mean hey we're good looking guys we really are uh, and you can Just watch us on YouTube uh, on the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on YouTube that is going to do it for us for this week everybody thanks for joining us thank you Michael great to see Yay, you thank you Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.